This week on the program, light up your blowtorches and crank up that tangerine dream because on this episode, we're talking about Thief. I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Eric Siska. Chris Cabin. Jamel Bowie. And we love movies. everyone welcome to we love movies thank you for tuning in as always that's right november's we love movies month rolls on as we welcome back friend of the show new york times opinion columnist and of course the host of unclear and present danger the co-host i should say mr jamal Bowie, back on the show welcome back friend hello thank you for having me i just ate an oreo so i apologize <laughs> oh people love oh, nice stuff <laughs> <laughs> should i should i chew directly into the microphone oh, yeah. they love you it. should you should yeah. Definitely. That'll be working for someone. <laughs> uh, we're here today to talk, of course, about Michael Mann's uh, feature theatrical debut, uh, Thief, from 1981. What a what a debut, just to get right into it. What a goddamn debut. Yeah, I mean, the way this guy directs movies, his, fir- his name should be, his first name should be Super. My God damn, I butchered that one. <laughs> it wasn't going to be good anyway, though, sure. Yeah. But on, on paper, it was like succinct. Mike, Mike, Michael Superman. <laughs> so the Michael's the super is the middle name. Sorry. Oh, I see. Okay. <laughs> to clear that up. Speaking of Superman, I was just remembering I was looking at the James Conn's uh Wikipedia there. And the fact that anyone considered James Conn for Superman in 78 is just like It'd and his good. thing was like, I didn't want to wear the damn cape, which is such an amazing <laughs> If, that would have worked if like Superman had like gone to the Playboy Mansion and like been hanging out there for a little bit. Like then oh, I yeah. can understand. Yeah. It would have but, to be like, like disgruntled Superman. Yeah. He's tired of the life of saving people. If the well, movie took place on like the south side of Chicago, <laughs> that's where Superman grew up. <laughs> yeah. And Superman would definitely have to be divorced if that were the case. <laughs> yes. Dude Lois, don't call me again. <laughs> you want what? Oh, more money. Luthor, I'm going to tell you this one more time. You you, you, you you, do that stupid dog whistle shit. I'm going to rip your neck out of your head. You don't want to live here. You don't want to live anywhere. You just want to go back to Krypton. That's all you want. <laughs> well, it's not there anymore. <laughs> uh, also, I mean, yeah, he can claim it's the cape, but you're telling me James Khan with that chest hair is going to put on a skin tight suit. and You're not going to see like little puffed it's- up. It's coming through, I think. Yeah, I think totally. they're, they're strong. They push through <laughs> yeah, where other ones would not. Bathroom rug that was all over his chest and back. Rest in peace, by the way. Kryptonians just are, they're hairy people. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> <in general. laughs> that would have changed the entire Superman mythos forever, you know? Yeah. <laughs> That's true. Robin uh, Williams um, would have to be on the Krypton Council. Ooh, just have to be, yeah. We're making a good movie, a good hairy movie right now. <laughs> <laughs> Jamel, what was, uh, what was your history with this film? So I, the first time I saw this movie was maybe, everything pre-pandemic is now hazy to me, but it mm-hmm. might have been sure. like five years ago, four years ago. I, I think I had, 
decided just it, just sort of out of the blue. I think I had watched Collateral for the first time, and I was like, you know what? I love this movie. Let me just like watch all of Michael Mann's stuff, and so I just kind of nice. like went to the beginning and like watched the, um, and was sort of, I mean, was and still am every time I watch this movie, completely blown away by it. Blown away by just how. Uh, confident and assured and sort of like perfectly formed it is. It just, it, it, it feels like something from the mind of someone who has, who is like 10 movies deep in his career and has finally yeah. kind of like refined what he's concerned about or what she's concerned about and what she wants to, to, to make movies about versus, you know, someone that this is their first real feature. Yeah. Um, although on the flip side, right? Like, there, there's a way I just um, this is not related to this movie at all, but I just watched uh, for the first time uh, Nasca of the Valley of the Wind. Oh, which awesome. is um, yeah, amazing movie. And Miyazaki's first featured by himself. And there's a s- similar thing going on there, too, where it's like maybe you don't know if you can make another movie. And so you're just like jamming everything into this one. Right. Like everything that you've all ever thought about that you think um, that you care about, you're going to like put into this one movie and hope that it works. Well, that, that's interesting because I, I mean, like this movie is like pure orange concentrate without any water in it. Like, you know what I mean? It's almost, <laughs> yeah. it's almost too sharp that way because it's, I, I mean, like so much of man, for me anyways, process, process, process. And that's what like 90% of this movie is. There is some, there's literal drama. And I think the, 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 the diner scene, you know, really plays to that and a little bit of the Willie Nelson stuff too. But so much of it is, this is how you break into a vault. This is how you do this. This is how you do that. This is, you know what I mean? Like, and it, it, that shows up in Manhunter, Heat, Collateral, all over the place. But I mean, there, there's other themes here. It's like so much of it is about process and labor specifically. Yeah. Right. yeah. I mean, the, the it, it's perfect that it's about a diamond thief because it's, it's diamond-like. It's the impact of each image and the way they flow is so perfect. If... It's incredible that he did this first and then makes these much bigger movies that are much more ambitious and taking much bigger chances. Like, because he got it so right the first time. Uh, well, I mean, not the. I mean, if, if anybody's seen the Jericho Mile, you, you know, not 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 fantastic. <laughs> um, but it, it, to know that he did this right, like not long after that, was incredible because this is so every beat of it and. Everything is in the details, like everything you need to know about him as a character, you know, in the like the way he never says murder or rape when he does the diner scene. Those yeah. are two things he will not own up to. Yeah. Um, things like that tell you so much about him without slowing down the pace of the movie and the engine of it. It's uh, unbelievable. Right, like, yeah. un- it, fucking it, believable. It's not overbearing. With it, it gets that stuff across without, you know, taking too long. Nope. Yeah, totally. And it's it's crazy. This was actually my first ever uh, Michael Mann movie. A, a friend of ours, even in high school, was obsessed with this dude. And he was like, look, I got." we were in like 10th grade, maybe something like that. And he was like, I have this tape, James Conn from The Godfather. He plays like a diamond thief. It's fucking awesome. And I still, like to this day, remember sitting in my friend's parents' like study like their little TV room, just watching this shitty VHS tape of Thief and being totally rocked on my ass and then like going to the library and finding more. Like to have like your first encounter with the filmmaker also be his first feature and it's like perfectly constructed. Total like once in a lifetime thing, uh, I feel. If you're not familiar with this movie, yes, Jimmy Kahn 
plays a professional diamond thief, real deal pro here, uh, who uh, meets a lady friend in Tuesday Weld and is trying to get out of the life. He meets Robert Prosky in one of the greatest villain turns of all time. Yeah. Who, Promises, you know, fast cash, yada, yada. It's a, it's a big make money quick, get out and retire criminal movie. Um, and the added bonus of his fucking tech buddy in it all is one of our best friends, <laughs> Mr. James Belushi. <laughs> totally killing it in this movie, I think. Fantastic. Yeah, he's good. Film debut, by the way, Mr. Uh, of of Prosky, James Belushi, Dennis Farina's fan, yeah. uh, debut. And I... Uh, Little little backstage information. This is the second time we've tried to do this episode, so we all of us have had to, to watch the movie like twice in three weeks, and both times I missed William Peterson in the bar scene. Oh I really? Missed him oh both times. yeah. Oh my god, he looks gorgeous in this. <laughs> like, for, he's he's in it for a flash, but it looks un- unbelievable in this. And, and two times in three weeks, I was totally fine with it. I was like, "Yep, that's cool. Yeah. <laughs> Put it back on. Let's let's <laughs> go." Kind of crazy, Prosky. You know, because when he did TV movies or something before this, but he feels like someone who's also like fully formed. Yes. Yeah. Oh, this yeah. role, like man is to direct it. Right. Well, dude, and it's your first movie role that you're having in your career. He's fucking 50 in his film debut. Never give up, kids. No, never, no. ever give up. <laughs> the, uh, the other thing is this movie. I mean, so I watched uh, I have the Criterion Blu-ray that totally. came out last year oh, or the yeah. year before. And so I watched the special features and uh, there's a long interview with man about this movie. And he mentions that in addition to everything else, there's like just lots of actual criminals in this movie, like, you know, actual thieves. <laughs> um, a lot of the equipment is equipment that belongs to actual thieves um, that, that like Jimmy Con like learn how to use. Uh, and yeah. so like for the safe cracking scenes, you know, to the extent that it was possible, they, they, they really wanted Khan to be able to, crack a safe and do it. Um, and so I just, I mean, one of the things I love about man as a filmmaker and it's just sort of a guy is that sort of like, he has his real affection for lawbreakers. I mean, you can tell it's like very evident in his movies, but yeah. also it seems like in his personal life as well, he just like, he likes criminals. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. No, I, it, it, it's also the, the pulse of real life, right? Right. It's like giving that sense of like lived in authority to these roles that you would usually have what fucking Dax Shepard fucking playing. <laughs> like, like, like really, I don't need it. Like having a guy like the guy, the, my favorite guy in the whole movie is the guy who has to build the burner for him. Oh, oh yes. yeah. I, yeah, yeah. I, I could not get that guy out of my head. And it's because he's one of these guys who's been doing this shit or ever, and Michael Mann was just like, that's a good face. I'm mm-hmm. going to put that face here. Somebody right. who can talk about this stuff for real and doesn't have to, like, memorize it and, like, think of theatrical yeah. ways of delivering it. Can just do it. And, like, ah, yeah. kills and, me. And, and Mann does have this eye for just sort of, like, not just faces, but, like, the most Chicago faces you can mm-hmm. imagine. <laughs> oh, oh my God, yeah. Yes. You can smell the fucking sausage coming off of the, <laughs> the guys playing the the, uh, the scuzzy cops that are uh, following him through most of the film. Those fucking guys. And also some real uggos, too. That's oh, yeah. the other thing. These are real deal, you know, prime A cut American faces. The guy who plays Yurizzi, who is the uh, is on, uh, uh, who is the technical advisor of the movie, who is, who is a real deal jewel thief, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, he is a guy that wakes up and is like, I wish I looked a little bit more like Danny DeVito. Like, I wish if I had that, <laughs> if I could look, you know, if I get a good DeVito going here, go out to the club, pick up some lady. Like, you wish Wait, you looked like Danny DeVito. 
Danny DeVito <laughs> and no, then I'm go to the saying, club Danny and be DeVito, like, hey, I'm Danny DeVito. <laughs> that is the high water mark of what Eurizzi could look like. Oh, oh my God, Danny DeVito's in here. Someone get him some Comte Limoncellos. <laughs> now we're are talking. You, are you a melted Dennis Franz? <laughs> no, I'm Eurizzi. Will you please? Uh, I, um, lo- I love yeah. the beginning. Uh, the rain yes. is the first thing you hear, and the so score does, it takes a little while to kick in. And hot damn, just having the confidence again. First movie, we're gonna start with rain. There's no and, score, yeah. And then yep. the blue, like cursive font on black. It's it it is so stylized. It is it's, it's a sh- it's a shocking movie that it is his first. I mean, the the, the the its first ten minutes of no dialogue. It's the music. It's the cut of the image. It's the pace of the image. You hear the radio the uh, of not Barry. Barry is Jim Belushi. And I got Jesse, I think, is the no, other it's guy. Joseph is the other guy. Joseph. Joseph. Guy. Oh, okay. yeah. Not Michael Douglas, the third guy. Yes, yes. the third guy. Yes. Wheelman, radio. I love that guy. Great mullet on that fucker mm-hmm. later in the movie. <laughs> but like, other than that, like, I think you maybe hear Jim Belushi say, I got it. I got it. And that's mm-hmm. it. Like yeah. and it's just ten minutes of setting up how professional not only is James Kahn in this role and as, as this character, but only oh, also Michael Mann. Yeah. He did he do he he sets himself up in ten minutes. He's like, I know how to do this shit. I can move now with actual dialogue to help me, rather mm-hmm. than just uh, uh, the image and the power of the image. Yeah, absolutely. And you get, I mean, there's great details. Like you know, you know. That he's such a super pro at this. He's not like skimming anything else uh, with the way that he's tossing all the other jewels and everything on the floor. Like, that's not the shit I need, you know? So he's not even like taking something extra. It's like, I need these envelopes with the with the diamonds and that's it. I was watching that and I was like, yes, I know that that shows he's a total professional. He's so much smarter than I'll ever be. But I'm like, what if you put some of those in your pocket? You know what I mean? Like, just, <laughs> just to have some... You're, you might want some extra diamonds at some point. Yeah, go, some walking you, jewels for sure. Exactly. <laughs> you you got a grand, you got to impress an old lady in the building. Like, here you go, sweetheart, yeah. some diamonds. Some spending <laughs> rubies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, That's how you get pinched because now she's going to be talking about this fancy uh, ruby you're right, she got. You're right, yep. you're right, you're right. That's right. See, Steve, that's why you'd go to jail. <laughs> yeah, I'd go to jail, get, uh, get uh, murdered by Robert De Niro. Different movie, but. <laughs> I wish <laughs> uh, this whole sequence too is what um, uh, Wendig Refn like totally ripped for oh, the yes. start of Drive, oh, which is fine. 100. I love Drive, but like you watch this movie and it's like, well, that's where he got this part, along with other parts, but a lot this part. Oh yeah. The only thing we're missing is a fucking Laker game on the radio. I mean, that, I mean honestly, that whole movie is essentially Thief and uh, Walter Hill's the driver having yeah. a hump session. Yes. Just yes. Like yeah, yeah, going Which at is it. a beautiful it know, really little is. baby that comes out of that Looks hump beautiful. session. <laughs> uh, I love Belushi's look, man. He's got these fucking like Elvis sideburns. This is like right around. Oh, actually, it's I think it's probably a few years before because I think he was on SNL in like '85 or something yeah. like that. So he's. That's pretty. If you've ever seen Jim Belushi on SNL, that's kind of how he looks here. But he's got these Elvis sideburns. He's wearing a lot of like Hawaiian shirts that are open most of the time. Mm-hmm. Fucking great. Uh, you don't see a, a big Chicago guy in a Hawaiian shirt like that too often, which is nice. Yeah, it looks like 1983. Uh, he joined the cast. Oh, it was 83. Okay, so closer than I thought. Um, but yeah, so Jimmy Khan is Frank, the professional jewel thief. I love the the little scenery he's given the. You want a Danish to the little fisherman on the lake there? Oh, yeah. It's I, such an awesome, like, you know, literal calm before the storm. 
It's cool. I mean, look, so you know, it starts, you get all this like dense process of, you know, he's got this crazy drill and all this stuff. You don't, you kind of don't know what's going on. You figure out he's throwing out all these diamonds. He gets all these little envelopes and he, he leaves. And then we go to the car, the, uh, the car dealership. And then it's more impenetrable opaque process. It's like, I need yeah. these, these titles. I need you to go down to the, the courthouse and do this and do that. And it's like, it's just on, it, it's layers on layers on layers. And it's like, to, to the point where you're like, who is anyone? And again, it's fine. <laughs> it's a Michael Mann movie. But I mean, at the same time, like it is, we are so in the weeds every minute. And that's, that's a great thing, but it's just funny to have. But the thing is, it's 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 dense, and uh, the movie does not even attempt to slow down to sort mm-hmm. of like explain who these people are or what is happening. But it doesn't feel oppressive, right? Like it doesn't feel like you are struggling to understand something. You're just sort of like you're in it. Yeah. You're you're in it as a viewer, and you're sort of experiencing it as a viewer. And now you're just sort of like part of this uh, this atmosphere. Yeah. And it's that that confidence is what makes this all like not didactic either is like you can sit there and it's like that is legitimately how it, it would probably sound to have someone barking at you at like a used car lot and you have to move this car over there and this is over going over here and put that there like Steve said get those titles but it's all like that's the process but instead of feeling like he's teaching it to you you're just like living in it like this is yeah. it feels so like how a car lot probably operates like it's not as funny as it is in Fargo. No. It's a lot duller. You're <laughs> no, just yes. moving product around a well, lot very boringly. A lot of, you know, managing people. And what I think is so good about this is you could have gone from that first op- 10 opening minutes and make this like a cool guy, like a Melville type character yeah. where yeah. you don't really have much of an inner life from him or anything. What this scene tells you is that this guy's con- a fucking control freak. It's not yeah, just right. the job. Right. It's this yeah. he needs to have this thing going all the time. Oh yeah, he's if a he doesn't, guy. he will just collapse. He's completely. flipping out all the time. In this all movie. the time. It's he's fucking awesome. Everybody was. It's incredible. And like the fact that's why you need someone like James Conn who can just talk, 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 and yeah. not make it sound like he's rushed or anything. To make it sound like it's very on purpose every time he does it. Uh, so they go to the diner, which I love. This guy, Hal Frank, playing Joe Gags. Dude, I am wow. D- you want to call a great face? Not Otho. I've been calling this guy the past couple weeks. <laughs> this guy should be Holy on a deli shit. sign somewhere. This guy is so just character out the ass. And he's like watery, creepy blue eyes under these enormous glasses. It's just oh, a my perfect God. face. He looks like a sad ghost. I mean, it's really. <laughs> And just your name is Joey Gags too. Yeah, that's fucking fitting, man. <laughs> uh, and he's been he's been at this diner for a while. He's been taking. You know, he, he even you feel bad because at the end he's like, "Let me take care of the bill," because you know Joe Gags went house on this thing. There, there was, <laughs> he got the oh, side the, sausage, yeah, yeah, lumberjack you know. breakfast, definitely. James Conn get the goes, steak and the eggs, and let me get one of those biscuits, and let me get you know. <laughs> you I'll get some of those hot links. <laughs> like, like a look down at the at the. Seat and it's like fifteen pancakes. This like, what the fuck? You know, let me just have the whole menu. You know, let's stop, let's stop picking it around. Let's just do the whole menu. Right it'd be great if he's like, uh, you know, he's like, I, I got it, gags. I got it. Really, forty five dollars, forty five dollars in nineteen eighty on breakfast? Are you fucking kidding me? Forty five. How are you still alive? <laughs> yeah. First, how are you still alive? 
I think forty five dollars and like nineteen eighty dollars is like like a mortgage payment. <laughs> yes, that's how. No, that that was your that's that was your college education that you could pay off really quickly. Yeah, oh, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, yeah. Waiting and, tables. And now we have to be a thief to make to make it. You know. <laughs> oh my God, Joe Gags looked like he ate four semesters worth of the diner this morning. <laughs> <laughs> he had steak on top of corned beef hash. It's just not done usually, but you know what? The customer is always right. Uh, but yeah, he. Gets it's all these like cool little envelopes and not even envelopes, like this folded wax paper. Even, yeah, like, like watching this guy paper. open up the, the the paper, I'm like, that is so fucking cool. It's a cool way to do that, dude. The wax paper. It's speaking of delis, dude. It's like diamond deli. I couldn't believe it. <laughs> and the way Joe got, I mean, they, it's you know they've probably done this at this exact diner a mm-hmm. thousand times, so he's like a little laid back about it. But this motherfucker's opening this shit like right at the table. <laughs> I'd be like, I don't know, man. I'm gonna go to the bathroom real quick. Get a stall, you know, do this all right. Oh. Waitress is like coming over, pouring coffee. But diamonds are just out <laughs> on the bench. The stall, you're dropping it in the toilet. Sorry. I, I just feel like, I don't know. I feel like in that kind of, that kind of diner, in that kind of neighborhood, in that situation, you know, you just, you, you see stuff. You're like, I didn't see anything. Right. <laughs> yeah. Like it's not. Totally. Yeah. I Did you see, hey, ma'am, did you see some men handling diamonds? I don't even know what diamonds are. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's the way to be, honestly. You see something, you know? You I, didn't, I didn't see... Uh, zip it. I didn't see uh, anyone uh, handling diamonds. I saw one man handling a pizza burger at 8 a.m. <laughs> Joey Gags. I don't even know. A pizza burger at oh. 8 a.m.? My God. Oh, oh, yeah. It's oh, it's breakfast. Oh, yeah. You know what? Put a fried egg on the pizza burger. Why don't you just, you know what? Top that baby off. I mean, it'd be great. The detective is like reading the fuck. Wait a second. Pizza burger? Eight? This has to be Joey Gags. Oh, it's the diamond thieves again. It's his M.O. Yeah. Well, I could just about Eric to what you were saying though. Like I can't imagine if they were like, "Oh, going to the bathroom." Joe, like Joey Gags, such oh, as yeah. he is, trying to get into a stall with these things out would just <laughs> end in absolute disaster. I can't. I, I, I can't. I don't imagine Frank would be happy with it. So Frank uh, agrees with Gags, like he's gonna go exchange out the diamonds for money, and then Frank's gonna get his cut later from Joey Gags. And meanwhile, you get a quick little notice here. He's got a letter from his uh, buddy Okla. Uh, who we will learn is Willie Nelson in a few minutes saying, ooh, you got to come quick, come visit me in prison. But then, so just that's like a quick detail to get in. And then immediately we get right back into it. Jim Belushi calls him at this bar. I love, man, cell phones ruin this. I was never old enough to get a phone call at a bar. Oh, yeah. And to ooh. have that, like the bartender be like, oh, he just left, hang on. And then have some old guy like come back here, come back here. <laughs> well, to a I bar love you this whole thing, a bar you own. I mean, yes. that's that's yeah, the your best to have bar. your uh, your bar phone at your own bar. That is fantastic. Also, we get a quick uh, Tuesday Weld is at the diner. Right. Yes. Um. Uh. The, the, I for, Cashier. What, what's her name? I, I'm completely blank. Jesse. Yes. Uh. And uh. They make a date for later tonight that he is going to blow. Oh, uh, that we all but, like. <laughs> yeah. It is incredible that it is such perfect dialogue. I will call you back in twenty five minutes. Like, yes. yep, that speaks to Michael Mann's like exactctitude. He's like, I always everyone needs to speak in exactness. But even the script, I mean, the script is even so much more laser focused. Written by Mann, uh, based off a book that seems like it was very loosely uh, oh, based off a book. 
I, I, I have this, this has worked twice now. So I'm going to do it a third time. If anybody can get me this book that this was based on, on a PDF, <laughs> uh, the home invaders, it's 300 bucks on Amazon. I'm not doing that. No. Uh, <laughs> and it, it's the same thing. The, the book that like informs all the Safety brothers movies about like street hustlers and like pickpockets, uh, like it was based in like 92. You have to spend like 800 bucks yeah, to get it now. Way out of print. And uh, well, yeah. also because the advice is too good. Man says that he, he that the book like loosely bases a bit of a stretch that basically he read the book, thought it was interesting, and then like tossed it all out and like wrote a script about yep. sort of like, you know, the loosest thing is like it's about a thief um, <laughs> right. whose name is Frank. <laughs> Uh, okay. But that because because of the way these things work, you have to like include the credit, and it, which makes sense. I mean, yeah. what, which is interesting though is like even in the Joey Gang scene, it's a really quick thing where it's like, hey, you know, we just get everything we need to know. You know, here's the diamonds, blah blah blah. I'll be back in a little bit. Joey Gang's like, hey, do you want me to put some of your money on the street? And he's like, no, your money, my money is going in my pocket, and that is like right. the entire character. Period. Like, and you uh, get that right there. Not just in my pocket. My money's going in the bank. Yes. Right. Sort of like this is a guy who is not just not just like controlling and uh, even a little ambitious, but sort of like he wants he wants to be free of all of this. Like this is his yeah. goal. His goal is to be a legitimate. I, I always had this little feeling in the way that Prosky uh, is one of the people who refers to him as Sonny mm -hmm. um, and the way that. Uh, uh, Gags and Prosky both offer him to put uh, his money out on the street, which I took to mean drugs. Uh, I don't right. know if that's really what yeah, it, it could means. be. Drugs. Yeah. It could be. It also could be gambling. I mean, I guess just or any, shopping any, centers, well, <laughs> or later on shopping. <laughs> well, the shopping centers. Yeah, I mean that is such an amazing little bit. But what, so I always good. took that as kind of like almost a nod to like. God, getting over the Godfather, like mm -hmm. those are two very specific things from the Godfather that are carrying over. Yeah, and like I always just like, and I know it's probably not even thinking about it, but like it just always struck me that those are two things that he is specifically like against. He doesn't like being called Sonny, and he doesn't like uh, drugs. He doesn't want people oh, yeah, running yeah. into drugs. It is weird hearing Joey Gags call him Sonny. Right, I, yeah. I mean, I have just I I rewatched Godfather like kind of recently, and was like, wait, what? What movie is on here? Um, so yeah, Belushi calls back and he's like, hey, "Hey, remember that like 125k? Yeah, it went out the window with gags, man. He's fucking dead. I don't know. <laughs> it's just like what bad news? Like you got to call James Con and give him bad news, man. Oh, and it's 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 a great way to learn for us, the audience, to learn that information. It also would have been a lot of fun to watch that guy go out a window, oh, wouldn't yes. it? Though, <laughs> <laughs> yeah." Absolutely. I think that's a real like toss a couple eggs out, out with them. You know? <laughs> well, that's, I mean, that's the thing. fucking pizza burger. He throws it out too. <laughs> Pavement shatters. Well, that's why you know they couldn't do is because Michael Mann is like, uh, no, I'm going to have to push an actual fat man out the window and he's going to have to hit the pavement. I can't, I can't be doing this with a dummy or Kimmy. He doesn't fall the right way. Have you ever seen a man fall? Are you fucking kidding me? Get out of here. Um, so, you know, Frank is like, all right, well, now the rest of my day is fucked because I have to go find this guy 
and get this money back, which is why he winds up being late for the date later. But man, him going and fucking shaking this guy down. Another real scuzzy looking guy here. What's this guy? Oh, uh, uh, it's another uh, Italian last name uh, for this uh, character. Ataglia. 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 Which I was also getting confused about because in Godfather, there's Philip Tataglia. So that was confusing me with these names. But yeah, there's a Taglia guy who's like, running some other plating business and Khan has to go in and he's like, yeah, he sold me some plates and I uh, had a lot of problems with them. <laughs> and once he gets in the office, just instantly pulling that chair up right next to him and sitting down before anything is really said. <laughs> and you, yeah, and he, he's not paying attention to him. And then immediately it's like, you know, he, he, he fell out a window with my money in his pocket. He's like, go to probate court, which is such a, yeah. oh, yeah. Oh, <laughs> what is it? Are you trying to tell me fairy tales right now? <laughs> I just I imagine, it. like, the, his chest hair, like, come up straight when he gets angry. Like, 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 is that like, is he alert or is this yes. like Wolverine? Yeah, sort yeah, of like the, the claws come out. Either way, either way, you know. This he just Dennis Farina shows up. He's one of the goons. Yes. Oh wow! I missed Farina too. What about, what was I doing? Oh yeah, dude, he's one of the goons, and I think he's the one that uh, Khan calls a goof. We're calling people goof in this movie. <laughs> yes, yeah, yeah. quite a bit. I it's like mostly that. Jimmy Khan, but I think Prosky gets a goof in. Maybe uh, maybe a Taglia. Jimmy, he calls Jimmy Khan a, a goof at the end. One of the yeah. cops calls him a goof. He's like, "You could have given us all the money. You, you, oh, it's oh, yeah, nice guy, and yes, easy, yeah, but yeah. you had to be a goof. You had Which to be I'm a like, goof." What? Uh, what what are we subbing goof with? <laughs> <laughs> Screenplay. That's what I really wanted to know. Uh, but yeah, he pulls a gun on this guy, and yeah, he just basically says, you know, you get, you know, I, I need, I, you have three hours to get me my money, or blah blah blah. And he walks right. out. He walks out, and again, like this is just a a commercial plating business. Obviously, everybody kind of knows they work for the mafia. This happens about three times a month, right? Like it's just like, oh, oh yeah. yeah, another guy with a gun. All right. Yeah, yep. uh, we're not gonna. Yeah, that's why I think the guy at the end there in the office where he tells him to sit down. I think it's that guy's like first day, <laughs> and he's like, "Why is no one else shocked by this? This curly-haired right. man has a gun in here." I also he's just like, sit down. I love how he walks with this gun, like this tactical movement every yes. moment with it. Yeah, which is funny. Like you know, they don't uh, allude to any like military or police training that Frank may have, but he's really like. Walking around like he has had some yes. kind of training well, here. Maybe he's mimicking movies or something. I, I think there, it's all comes from prison and like the not yes. being able to having like eyes on the back of your head type of thing is sure. what they are suggesting at least, right? Or or Vietnam or who knows? But you yeah. know the guys, the guys kind of a mystery, which is awesome. I, I mean, th that's the thing is Jimmy Khan is probably a much more put together person than like than what they're expecting most of the time at LNA plating. I imagine most people that walk in from a uh, uh, Prosky side of the tracks are like Jack Nicholson at the end of the departed. Like they just got blood and shit all over them everywhere. It's just like, I gotta see a taglia. You know, oh shit. I got some brain on my fucking pinky. Fuck. Oh, uh, he's got another dude with brains all over his shirt. It's another satisfied customer. Uh, I feel like this is a sidebar, but uh, I, I recently rewatched the departed and I love that Nicholson performance. It's I don't understand amazing. why people don't like it. I think it's great. Uh, I can tell you, I will tell you why they don't like it because he's oh. having fucking fun. Yeah, that's the, that's <laughs> why, exactly why they don't like it is because he's having fun and just being an evil motherfucker. And it's great. But no, they want like Nicholson to be every fucking role has to be about Schmidt now, I guess. Yes. I just that, that scene where he's like, uh, uh, there's a rat and he like does the rat face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oscar worthy. Uh, Give him an Academy Award. It's perfect. Hell yeah. 
incredible work. <laughs> it's just fun. Yeah, I mean, like he and the accent he doesn't exactly nail, but he's doing it anyway, and he's just yeah, he's having fun with it. I agree with you. Yeah. Uh, so we go to visit Willie Nelson in prison for a, a fashion here, um, and this is uh, yeah, this dude Okla. He was inside when you know Frank was inside father figure kind of a deal here and he's got a uh, he wants Frank to get him out of jail because uh, he's been uh, uh, some prisoner doctor but I do not believe a prison doctor <laughs> has diagnosed him with angina yeah and he doesn't want to die on the inside so he's asking Frank to get him out dude I love like Frank's like oh so like how how's it been in here these days Okta like what's going on how's how's it on the inside and he's like Man, the quality of prisoner in here. And he starts talking about it. He's like bummed out that there's child molesters that aren't being murdered immediately. He's like, you know, <laughs> prison is really going to hell here. <laughs> it, used, it used to be you got one of those guys near someone with Jeffrey Dahmer immediately. <laughs> but <laughs> he gives them like a, he's like, yeah, they'd be done in five days. But now they're just around and around and. Yeah, I, I got I mean, this. I got this guy offering me ramen. He's a rapist. I, I don't know what to do with myself. And also, Red's Bruno got busted. I don't know. Oh how yeah, the I'm big gonna... Bruno operation got busted. That's the big. Report. That's a quality of life problem. Now yeah. I yep. can't even get kind of drunk in here. This is a problem. Absolutely, no more totally. I can't get kind of drunk and have food poisoning at the same time. <laughs> uh, Nelson's great. in This movie. Uh, how is he still alive? I, I'm like, how did he outlive Willie Nelson? James Con. Willie Nelson is still yeah, alive. I saw yeah, him. That was my first concert after the after the pandemic. Kind of during the pandemic, 2021. He's still fucking killing it out there on the road. Incredible. I was looking it up actually, Steve, because I was like, what's going on with this movie? Jimmy Khan, um, not terribly uh, younger than Willie Nelson. Yeah. By like like seven years or so. Maybe it's the weed, huh? Huh? It could be. Hey, you know. Yeah, I mean, once you get past a certain age, though, it's kind of just all a crapshoot. It's like, you know, maybe (laughs) maybe you'll live one more year, maybe 20. Who knows? (laughs) Right. That's true. Exactly. Uh, but Willie Nelson gives a big uh, point of advice here because, you know, uh, Jimmy Conn's telling him about Tuesday. Well, you know, I met this girl, Jesse, blah, blah, blah. Also informs him that he's divorced. We get no more information <laughs> about that ex-wife, which I kind of want a little oh, bit of. Let him go off on a rant here about that. Just a phone call, please. Just to, just yep. to get somebody to get, <laughs> get Diane Lane, somebody to do a fucking phone call. Diane just, Lane in 1980? I don't know. <laughs> Maybe it's a outsiders. younger wife. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> screaming at a teenager, dude. The, I bet the, you he's done that before, James Conn. Oh, I'm James. sure. To describe the end of your marriage is I pulled the plug. I pulled the plug on that <laughs> yeah. whole thing. That whole thing. I pulled the plug on it. <laughs> yeah, he pulled the plug. That's a real fucking. He came home and she was gone. Oh yeah. I th- I think he's puffing it up it's, to talk to Willie Nelson. It's incredible that like all this happens and you notice that James Con- Frank doesn't mention like uh, I've uh, known her for like two months, two three months. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I, uh, no, yeah, she's gonna be my wife. Yeah, yeah, I think we're gonna be. Uh, yeah, we'll, we'll see. I'm just gonna force her to marry me. Is what's well, gonna he's happen. making up for lost time, dude. He doesn't have time for a long courtship, you know, and then an even longer engagement. He's got to get to it. Yes, I gotta indeed. say, I mean, this con performance is so goddamn good because when he's with Nolan Nelson, like. He softens a little bit. You can see that he's hurting for his friend. Like there's yep. just so much going on behind the eyes of this performance. It's kind of a, a travesty. He wasn't nominated. Well, well, yeah. We haven't even brought up the fact that we've already seen his little dream board that he keeps. Oh, yeah. Right, and yeah, like yeah, yeah. that Ooh. is Oof. all you need. Like that unlocks everything. Like I'm like, 
that he has this like almost childish thing. Yeah, it makes sense. Like what's great too is like later when they do the adoption stuff and he was like a ward of the state at some point, like he's just been through the system over and over again and just fantasizing about being a regular guy, getting out of this life and having this little board of like, yeah, this thief I met in prison, he's kind of like my dad. And then this is going to be my wife. And then, well, no, 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 we're going to get another lady to be my wife. <laughs> well, yeah. If I had to pull the plug on that part of the dream board. <laughs> if I can, if I work hard enough at the, prof- if I'm good enough at the profession I'm at, I can buy normalcy. I can right. do it. it that's what that I'm trying is- to do right here. <laughs> <laughs> good luck. It's, it's amazing though, because that's a great, it's a great one-to-one to uh, Jamie Foxx's character in Collateral. Yes. And he's got the thing in the mirror that he right. pulls down and looks at the island and it, you know, similar I'm I'm telegraphing my dreams. Maybe on this piece Michael of paper. Mann is a secret guy. Maybe he believes I think secret. so. Yeah. I think so, dude. I, I think if you look at who adapted that movie, remember they did that secret movie? Sure. I think that's oh, yeah, a, yeah. whoever they say directed, it's an Alan Smythe from Michael Mann. <laughs> he hasn't been doing much. So yeah, maybe in between he did some Alan Smithies. So it's a gnome to film, absolutely. <laughs> Um. Yeah. So Willie Nelson, a big the big piece of invite, advice that uh, you know Okta puts out on him. He's like, you know, because James Conn says, "Should I tell her what I do?" And he's like, you know, don't lie to anybody. You know, if you lie to someone you love, it's gonna fuck you over. And he's like, and if you're lying to someone you don't know, the hell does it matter if you're telling them the truth? Which is a fucking <laughs> great. Like, yeah, right. Always be a straight shooter, but very important. Tell her up front you're a fucking thief. Uh, yada yada. So then this James Conn's very busy morning. He goes straight from here to the meet has been set, you know, three hours later to go get the money back. And here we go. We're fucking meeting on the docks in the middle of the night with Robert Prosky. We're being fucking observed by crooked cops from afar. I love this scene. It's so good. And I mean, I, I love the Ataglia. He's the he's he, he sees Frank for what he is like. This dude is yep. fucking trouble. You have to kill him. Yeah. It's not going to work out, you know? He's he's doing the real like you know what I don't even know what we're doing here yes. tonight frankly Robert Prosky this is <laughs> fucked up you're betting on the wrong horse here uh and 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 Frank super smart with all of this too you know he's no stranger to this uh, no spring chicken. He's got Jim Belushi up on the roof for uh, sniping purposes. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm surprised he doesn't have the go ahead for Belushi for when if, if anybody who is trying to hire me calls me their father, that's the go ahead. You roll their head right <laughs> the fuck off. How about that shit? Like I, the fact that he is so like like quietly condescend, like not even quietly, just but yeah. like so self assuredly condescending to him because yeah. he has so much power because he. He has been quietly working for him for so long without knowing it in a way. And he was but. trying to get him into that organizational fold of like, yeah, I'm the I'm the head. I'm the dad. I'm the big daddy over here at the mafia. Right. So it's even better. He, he says, like, oh, you know, but he lays it all out. Like these kinds of scores is how much you're going to make. Like, and basically, I'll be your father from here on out. And when he says that, he puts his foot on his wheel. Well, just to sort of like impose a bit more. It's like, mm. yeah, Prosky's fantastic in this. Too. He is great. I'll, I'll say what's happening too is, and this is a thing common to kind of everyone that encounters Frank. They all sort of like have a fundamental misunderstanding of who this guy is, yeah, right? Yeah. Like they don't really quite like. They, it's clear that Prosky just sees him as sort of like this young, this young thief, this like young guy who does a good work, but like is not more complicated than that. And Frank, you know, being he implies that he spent so much of his life this thus far in prison. 
he's sort of like shaped by that experience so much and has this sort of like this uh, singular, this singular drive that is sort of uh, almost like a shark, right? Sort of this yeah, like yeah. shark like sort of like drive to um, find stability and is willing to do a whole lot to get there. And like in a way that like no one else kind of really kind of understands other than right. maybe Willie Nelson. Like Willie Nelson's the guy who kind of gets Frank on this like subatomic level. But I feel like at least to a degree, Prosky is able to acknowledge that he sees it right away. And he's like, I, all right, I know what this guy is and I can abuse that and get him to do my bidding. I'm going to say all the right things, you know, and get him out of there. And, and it's great. They have this like tete-a-tete where, you know, Prosky's like, well, who are you? Who do you think you are? And Khan's got this great line. He's like, I am Joe, the boss of my own body. So what the <laughs> fuck do I need to work for you for? You know what I mean? Like, it's yeah. so, oh, back and forth. They're like boxing, but they're just having a calm little conversation you, on a You want to talk? Take today. it to the Lonely Hearts Club. <laughs> yeah, totally. Country club. Go to a country club. Uh, and he gives it to him straight. He's like, these are the, you know, this is what I do. Like, uh, uh, you know, I only steal from your know, businesses. I don't do any personal jobs. It's only diamonds and cash, you know, not getting it. You know, I, I love how he, he has that set of rules for himself. Yeah. Um, that he doesn't go against in the movie as far as like what the jobs are well because he's successful he's proud of himself like when he when when he goes to willie nelson he's like you know when he says how are you doing he shows him a watch and a ring like i'm doing great you know what i mean like it's he's in a good spot at the beginning of this movie and it doesn't last very long (laughs) well because he bought into the 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 uh the idea of worth in the real world because he lost the worth in prison prison is where he lost the actual inner stuff but the way that he can like just rattle off like I, I one hundred fifty dollars slacks, my satin yeah. shirts, <laughs> flawless ten carat ring. I change cars like other guys change their shoes. Yes, yes to, to talk about like what I own because that's all he has now is yes. like yeah. what he owns. That's the thing; he's institutionalized. He can't relate with other people, and people can't relate to him unless they were also institutionalized, like Willie right. Nelson. Well, yeah, I mean, I mean, it's incredible that you set him up with Prosky, who is like, as you were saying, both Andrew and Jamel, I think both of you were talking about this, about the fact that like, yeah, he has probably, Prosky has seen this guy, guys like this a hundred times and has broken them all. Like every yeah, right. time when he had to push them and tell them what their place was, they listened. He was not prepared for a guy like this who was like, no, 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 no. Mm-hmm. I will burn the whole fucking thing down. Don't, right. That, don't, that, that, right. Don't that's sort of the me. difference. Yeah. That's yeah, the difference. Like, it's incredible. And like, it, it, to me, it is such a perfect, I mean, for like what I usually look for in movies, like this is such a personal calling card for a director like man who's like, you know, don't work with me if you're not ready to deal with my bullshit because it's going to be a lot. and everybody knows everybody's heard the stories like if you're gonna deal with me it's gonna be hard as fuck but i'm gonna do the job right and he i think for the most part has proven himself correct it's also famously hard of hearing so he screams constantly even when he doesn't want to be screaming yeah (laughs) which is why it's fucking hilarious that he's making this ferrari movie because i'm sure it's gonna be like mixed to high hell we're all gonna be deafened watching and he's looking forward to it man (laughs) oh yes (laughs) definitely he's been living out in italy for a while right oh yeah Yeah, i think that's where he calls home for several years um and it's kind of great because in a way i think that's why frank sort of 
I don't know. I mean, that gels with Jesse isn't exactly correct, but like she has that whole great story. If I'm reading it all right, that she was like a drug mule for some yeah. dude. Yes. And so she at least is like, you know, criminal world, uh, you know, participant, yes. you know, and tangentially related to and the, yeah. the dude died. Like she's yes. lived it. And she's also got, I mean, like you, you, uh, you, this is a note that I wrote down when you see her at the bar kind of falling asleep because she's been waiting for this fucking guy. She's got second wife written all over her, man. That's it. <laughs> oh yeah. That is wife number two is what's going on. <laughs> um, this, this awesome little uh, quick, like musical interlude of her waiting at this awesome, you know, just Chicago bar. There's a blues band playing. They're fucking rocking. Mm-hmm. It's another like, you know, man, I wish I was there right now. Like, I just wish I was in this disgusting bar listening to awesome music. Definitely smells like old cigarettes. Oh, you know? yes. And new cigarettes. <laughs> and, <laughs> and new. Old cigarettes, old and new. <laughs> <laughs> um, him fucking going, dragging her to this diner, man, causing a scene once again. Man, nobody causes a scene in public like James Conn, man. Well, God that's damn. what William Peterson should have known. He should don't 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 try to tame a tiger. He's he's gonna come after you. I I like the fact that there's a song that the song is Turning Point, which I think is a pretty well known uh, like uh, blues standard. Um, and I, I like the fact that like she is also at a turn. Like what Steve was saying, like she's also at a turning point. Like she just got over all this stuff, right? And it's funny that like this him roping her into this because he he pulls her out of this fucking club and like n- multiple people try to stop him and he pushes them off like he's oh, yeah. being a fucking asshole like tells like, him to take a walk i think he, f- he shows someone a gun at some yeah. point it yeah, yeah. looks wrong and it is wrong people are seeing things and are saying things <laughs> yes. about it they're like i don't like any of what i don't like anything this guy is laying down right now and they're correct well, and she keeps on saying no, like no to him because I, she is like, I'm done with this shit. I'm yes. fucking done with. It. And how he like wrote, like pulled me back in, like yes. in this in this two scenes that happen are is incredible. The the car scene and then at the diner scene, which is just like the diner scene's terrific. One of my favorite lines that Tuesday Weld has is just talking about like, and it, 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 he is also being like incredibly demeaning. It's like what what's so wonderful about your life right now? And she's like, you know what, I I wake up. I have a social security card like that being yes. a a uh, an achievement for this character because, you know, she's been in Bogota and God knows where she even says that, you know, Khan uh, alludes like you don't want to get arrested to Bogota. Like, I was, you know what I mean? Like there's a lot being laid out between these two. It's, it, and it's a fantastic scene. Oh, she, yeah. She, his she prison story, too. Oh, the prison yeah. Scene. Yeah. You got to get to where nothing means nothing, right? You got to, <laughs> yeah. And it's just, dude, I think Chris, you mentioned this earlier. Like he doesn't talk about sexual assault. He's like, they wanted to turn me out, and I had a problem with that. And then it's like, he does know, say gangbang. They, they, well, yeah, they no, said, he does. They jumped on me, did a bunch of things, and then yes. blah blah blah. He just did a bunch of things. Yeah, which no, could that's, mean that's actually a good point though, because Eric, you, I mean, you're both right. At the start of it, when he starts the story, he's talking about right, there was a corrections officer. And some of the inmates were getting together and doing fucking gangbangs in some part of the prison. But then when he gets to his experience with it, he leaves that out. Right, he right. doesn't say they fucking ran they a train got, on me also. They got ga- pe- the people get gangbanged when it's happening. Yeah, this, that's some other, some stuff happens, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, that's, exactly. I mean, he does that. He won't say that. And then he's he's very like... There were two guys who wanted me when I first got. I got in on a $40 charge. I was going to mm-hmm. be in for two years. 
And then there were two guys who wanted me as soon as I got in. Uh, da, 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 uh, yada yada yada. Uh, <laughs> I had a manslaughter charge that put me in for seven <laughs> yep. more years. So it's all about not like owning up to like the mortal sins. He's like the real yeah. fucking shit that he's he gone did through. yada over the best part. Yes, yeah, true. <laughs> I, mean, he, I mean, because he had to shiv those people. That's what I think they're assuming. It, it yeah. also tells you something about Tuesday Wells' character. One couple great things. One, she says, "What were you? Uh, where were you in prison? Please pass the cream," which is such a fucking great. <laughs> yep. little, Yep. And then uh, when he says like uh, when he you know this whole thing and the gangbang scenario the, the the leader was this big hulking dude and he's like yeah I, t- I took a pipe to his head three three times and then he died two years later a a huge loss to the planet Earth and she like chuckles <laughs> at that and it's like yeah like it's kind of cute like I don't know this guy's kind of winning me over he killed somebody <laughs> I mean it's it's he, he's not like on, on the one hand he's not being completely forthright about what happened to him and what he did but it's clear that like as he like he he's attracted to this woman, and as he's sort of just like talking and explaining, he's becoming more vulnerable. This is a person who yes. does not become vulnerable with, with people, but in the yeah. course of this conversation, is becoming more vulnerable. And Tuesday Weld as well is becoming yes. more vulnerable as the conversation goes on. Let me say, I love this scene. I think this is like yep. like I yeah. think this is just like a wonderful scene, uh, and and I'm always struck by how. Uh, man and his cinematographer just like let the camera hang out. Like it's not, it's not tons of cross cutting, not lots of movement. Just sort of like we're going to watch these two adult people talk mm-hmm. about adult stuff and like sit with how weird and complicated it is. Yeah. And it's like, yeah, I just, nope, I just, nope. you know, and it, it does sit there. I mean, it's very actorly too. Like they they really take up this, the the frame. You know what yeah. I mean? Like they're con especially, and and both of them really do. But I mean, like there's just so much of business about like the cigarette won't light. You know what I mean? That he's sending back the cream because it's cottage cheese. There's just- oh man, that I almost <laughs> throw up every time. Because it's first of all, here's the thing with this server. He's like, hey, can we have some new cream? And she's like, what's wrong with it? Which it's like. Just fucking change it out. Don't ask what's wrong with it. But I, yeah, it's cottage cheese. I gotta be Whoa. honest. If I I don't look at stuff like that, so if I just like grab the cream, pour it in my coffee, and like chunks came out, I throw. <laughs> oh up. yeah, I just like throw up on the table. I've had that. Ha- I haven't thrown up, but I've definitely poured, <laughs> and then just like cheese curds oh. come up, and you're like, oh man, should have uh, should have changed this out. Although actually, the best was one time at uh, New Year's Day, we were really hungover, and we went uh, to the diner in our neighborhood. And they had like forgotten to turn the heat on. So they opened for business and it was still too cold. And like the fucking creamer cup was like frozen on the table. It was so terrible. And then like at the very end of the meal, we're leaving money. And the guy's like, oh, by the way, happy new year. I forgot (laughs) what day it was. I was like, oh, my God, dude. (laughs) But just totally frozen. Just just not coming out because it was a stone. That would Ugh. be an interesting way for that scene to go. You know, it's like, yeah, I was in there. And the guy's name was uh, Joey Meatball. Oh, hold up. Oh, oh, oh. <laughs> I mean, but that's, I mean, that's the thing. That's with his character, right? Like the thing that pisses him off the most is people not doing their job right. Yes. Yeah. Like, yeah. so her not doing it immediately pisses him off the lighter Stupid lighter, you're supposed to be lighting. Like, you know, it's it's, <laughs> it's what this little bick can't even do its stupid bick lighter job. <laughs> Gonna write a letter to that little bick. 
but it's but this is also what spurs him to work with Prosky, which he knows he knows it's a bad idea. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like he knows like this guy's blah blah blah, but he, he buys into it because it's going to get him where he needs to go so, that much quicker. And you know, shortcuts. You know, that's how that works. Sometimes they blow up in your face, but so this is the first uh, the big thing, and it's kind of interesting because even though this is a Chicago set film and these are Chicago criminals and Chicago people, we have the big la job that we have to yeah. do it's a michael mann movie we're getting back to los angeles nice and early here um so they're going to case the joint i love again all this fucking process they're up on this roof weeks in advance with prosky like what do you need these are the alarm systems and it's this interesting thing where like this vault has five different alarms and they can't figure out the fifth one and it's like why this is all so perfect in this movie is like you don't have to understand a lick of what they're talking about when jim belushi's like trying to get the electrical signals on the different lines and the you know khan's looking at that voltage meter i don't know what the fuck's going on i don't know what to be looking for but i just know that they're doing a job that they know how to do very well and i can just kind of like kick back and like watch them watch them work and it's thrilling it's thrilling to watch these schlub dudes stand on a roof and case a fucking place that they're gonna break into it's awesome. Well, it's it has its roots in problem solving. That's like the best dialogue in the world and process to me is and something everybody can relate to is like how do you solve a problem in a group? Like I, I never have, do, by the way. Oh, never, never, <laughs> can't really relate. never yeah. happened. Oh, interesting. Nope. He just hides under a pile of coats and hopes everything will be fine. <laughs> is it working? Did you do it right? I'll say it, it's it's um, you know this this movie is. So it's both sort of like it's both it encapsulates like everything man is concerned about, but it also is sort of like the template for so many of his movies. And like Mm. he returns to so many sort of like setups and conceits in other movies. And so I'm just thinking about like the 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 protagonist antagonist, like on a rooftop discussing right, like what's going to come next or like your protagonist in front of a body of water contemplating what's going to come next. Sort of like all yep. these things are here. Uh, and then, of course, like the filmmakers who very like consciously like ape man, like use these things too. So like the rooftop shit is, you know, the, the, it's always thing that sticks up to me from the dark night, which is like very yes. clearly yeah. just like Chris Nolan's like, I want to make a Michael Mann movie with, you know, Batman. Yeah, no, no problems here. But yeah, he. I mean, he definitely that that movie has seen heat, and boy, howdy, has it ever. I think but it's also that, seen this quite a lot. Too. Yeah, I think it's seen this yeah. quite a bit. Yeah. And time. also, I mean, like the other things, uh, man uh, tropes, the uh, sage old thief that has the long dark hair with the white beard, like that. I mean, it's Willie Nelson, but you know, uh, what do you call it there? Uh, John uh, John Voight in Heat looks very similar to Willie oh, Nelson. Oh, yeah. sort of does. For yeah, no totally reason. Right. You know what yeah. I mean? He, he likes that. Was well, John Voight filming that around the same time as like Anaconda? <laughs> <laughs> maybe. Actually, they can. Yeah, I mean, it would make sense. Maybe mm-hmm. a difference of like three years. I don't know. He should have used the Anaconda accent. Absolutely. In- <laughs> no, I think that, <laughs> that really would have sealed it as a perfect movie. <laughs> This city could kill you in a thousand ways. <laughs> John, we're going to do that again. What are you doing? Why are you doing this? <laughs> I'm just going to tell you, Wayne Grow checked into the, the head <laughs> suite on the 17th floor. Yeah, dude, that accent and him saying Wayne Grow, you know it would be hilarious. 
but yeah, so they, <laughs> we were in LA just to see the see the job. They kind of go back. This is the metallurgist scene, which is awesome because uh, his whole thing is like, we can't crack this safe. I want to cut a new fucking hole in it and yeah. walk through it. But, 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 it's so awesome. Give me a three hour movie of this guy telling me how he figures out what me- like uh, I'll chew it, I'll bite on it, I uh, I piss on it <laughs> oh, a little right. bit, I spit on it. You know what? You know how I figured out what was in uh, Thanos's uh, gauntlet? I, I Captain America, he come back. I chewed on the gauntlet. I chewed on it a little bit. I, I cummed on it a little bit. See what we'll see what that would do. And. Uh, <laughs> Turns out that was a trick. <laughs> I, I honestly, so if, if if that Infinity War when Thor has to make his new hammer or whatever, and like <laughs> they went full Michael Mann with uh, Peter Dinklage as that giant oh, guy, shit. like that would be incredible. It's, it's gonna be no. a couple gonna be a couple of weeks you'll need like 41 grand <laughs> yeah oh, it would be, be awesome it's just like because he, he's like a giant in that movie yeah. it's like huge peter dinklage and he's using those little um whatever the tools is the dude's like measuring out yes. like he's looking yes. at J- james Conn's drawing and he's like all right doing these little like things in his head just seeing peter dinklage like all right for the sword <laughs> here you're just gonna all right well, it's gonna be a 40 percent space zinc it's gonna be a <laughs> 70 titanium uh can we get uh what's this stuff from wakanda we're gonna need a bunch of that too uh <laughs> jesus christ yeah it's gonna be a job of, it's gonna be a bitch to yield i'm gonna tell you to actually <laughs> use the thing it's gonna be a pain in the ass Unless your girlfriend gets cancer, she'll be able to use it. It's <laughs> uh, Thor Love and Thunder. Don't get me uh, started in that movie. <laughs> oh, God, At man. the time of this recording, we're recording this a little early from release. I still have not seen it. Oh, God. oh that's fine. That's Horrid fine. movie. Um, yeah, I just, yeah, his whole thing, all this stuff with the metallurgy, he's basically like, he's telling James Conn something about like his son in law thought it would be good to get this like, scientist guy in to be doing like some fancy measurements and figuring out what's in all these metals and he's making fun of him for wearing a lab coat like which is totally true man read the room look at all these like scuzz dudes you're dealing with they all look like the guy who's in the little boat in fucking water world the little gas guy they all look like him like take that that lab coat off buddy Yeah, I, I mean, I lo- like I said, I could watch this guy talk for just three hours. Just a documentary about this guy <laughs> and his life would do me just fine. But I do also really love the the scene where uh, they go to buy a house together. Mm-hmm. Like to, this, to me, also speaks to the thing I was so like the the way that like he is dependent. Like he, they show James Conn is dependent on Jim Belushi to do part of the work. Like, it's not all about him being a one-man operation for whatever his perfections are. He needs other people to work. And, like, the way he talks to her, he's like, do you like this house? I don't know what this... I know the value of money. I don't know what things are supposed to look like nice. I don't know Mm -hmm. that stuff. Yeah, so this amount of money that I'm just about to drop, you know, does it equal... A pretty house. You have to tell yes. me that. That's I need yeah. somebody to tell me these things. Can and because he's just like sitting there, like a lost boy, just being like, "Do you like it?" I, <laughs> I, 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 I don't know. I don't know what I'm doing here. You also get a look into some uh, corrupt Chicago uh, judicial shit here, because at the, there's a hearing scene where he goes to you know uh, he's got this lawyer for Willie Nelson trying to you know get him out or whatever. This is great. Hearing. 
And it's the fucking lawyer and the judge doing like finger signals as to how much money this judge is going to need. Yeah, the bribe. For a bribe. Stuff. Oh, oh my man. god, it is so good, and it does. It's another moment where it feels like, yes, this is obviously probably happens. Yeah. Yep. yep. And it's just it's so great. Like yeah, the finger signs, the back and forth. It's like I'm still not convinced. Four, three, two. Is it gonna need six six thousand for Earl Wapner out there? Earl Warren. Oh, Earl Warren. Apologies. Or although they should have made a Judge Wapner reference, but I don't know if he was doing people's court at the time. That's a good point. Maybe he was still a real judge. <laughs> <laughs> um, we do get a Jim Belushi. Another scene here where he like tells him they're having like a barbecue at the house. This is a nice like Belushi definitely validating him because he gets out of the car and he's just like, hey, what does a rich person live here? Look at this house, hon. It's got to be. It's got to be a rich person. Hey, are you rich? And it's like, oh, yeah, you know. <laughs> Hold on. Look at Mr. Too Good for a Murphy bed all of a sudden. Okay. <laughs> all right. I had no idea we were against Murphy ooh, beds. Ooh, clubhouse crackers. No longer premiums <laughs> in this house, huh? Would you look at that? Not one of the windows is broken. Ooh la la. Oh, <laughs> uh, uh, it's fucking great. I mean, this is a gorgeous house, though. It is. It's an 80s house. So there's carpeting everywhere, but I'm loving yeah, it. Yeah, you probably got bathroom carpet, which mm-hmm. that can oh get tricky. Oh, my God. Bathroom carpet. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> but also, just... this prob- I think this house probably has some um, carpeting on the walls some here and there, too. Mm-hmm. Ceiling, too. <laughs> just, just to try it out. Oh, <laughs> that almost uh, sounds comfy, but then you got to get a ladder to vacuum. Yes, that's true. Uh, we get a little more from Belushi about how you know there's there's a passcode and he has to he has to debug it and all this stuff. Meanwhile, we're trying to get a kid. This is the adoption scene. This so, is, oh uh, boy, you got to read the room here, James Con. <laughs> yeah, you really. Oh, do. What what, uh, what what prior work experience do you have? Oh well, I spot welded desks, <laughs> and I did shoes <laughs> at prison. This lady though, she's like, oh, so you became the foreman of the shoe factory or whatever. And he's like, lady, I was in the fucking yeah, joint. I was doing time. I was doing time. Ah, so good. <laughs> and, you know, and then this is, you get to do a very, you know, long-winded thing about, like, un- give me undesirable kids, older oh. kids, Asian kids. <laughs> yeah, we get a, a, a faucet of slurs here. Yeah, he's, he's, he's going for it. And... I, the weirdest part is he's yelling at this lady, like, you know, he, he does reveal in this scene that, you know, he did have, that he was, you know, state raised, et cetera. He's like, and if somebody tells me that, like, would you grow up in the suburbs? I'd be like, decline to comment. She's like, yes, I did, as a matter of fact. I'm like, you're losing the argument. Yep. But absolutely. Why are you talking? Yes, yeah, I lived in the suburbs, but you've got me all wrong. I was rich. <laughs> <laughs> He's got it great because the security guard comes up and it is a fucking class A James Con. What are you looking at? Mm-hmm. Right at this guy? Oh man. <laughs> well, yeah, because he could have gone back to jail right there. He was ready for it. He he was right on the edge. Definitely. It's um this scene. So the first time I watched this movie. I don't think I was as in attuned to its class politics, but this movie has like a, has like real class politics to mm. it. And this scene is like a great example of that. That just sort of like Frank, the the thing he, I mean, as we've talked about, the thing he wants most people to do is not just like buy status, but like buy respectability, buy normalcy. And this scene is sort of like he shows up with his expensive suit and his expensive watch, and it's beyond obvious that that, that doesn't matter. That like his right. his background is all over him 
and yeah. someone who grew up in the suburbs and grew up middle class or affluent can just sort of smell it from a mile away. And so it doesn't really matter how much money he has. Like he can't actually overcome the injury of his background. Yes, the caste system of America, for sure. And that's similar with what we get in the the metallurgy scene, the the guy with the white coat, right? That's a college boy. Like, what is he doing here? Right. There is this huge divide between these guys and those guys. And the movie reminds you of it quite a bit. Also, he fails at bribing her with the ring, which he, you know, is like, well, here's the slam dunk, the home run. I'll give her this ring. And she's like, and what is that? And he starts like explaining the ring. And it's like, that's not what she's asking, man. <laughs> this isn't going to work. It's like, it's the same feeling I get because it's horrible, right? Because at the same time, he's like, we're good people. These, you know, kids need a fucking home. I, you know, I don't understand this disconnect. It's kind of the same thing. The stakes aren't as high. But when um, Don Cheadle's trying to get that loan to open the electronics store in Boogie yeah. Nights, and they're yeah. like, oh, what have you done? For employment before this, and he has to say that he was a porn star, and then it's like, boom, that job's not acceptable for, you know, owning your own business. Sorry. Well, that's like both that, like, I think of both, like, Don Cheadle in that movie and uh, uh, Channing Tatum and Magic Mike when he's trying to get his business off the ground. But those are two people who I think genuinely think they can get over the thing. Like, the thing that hurts so much about this scene is that you kind he knows what the yeah. answer is. Right. Going into it, he knows already. He's right. just like the way like she's like, come on, Frank, let's go. And he won't listen to her is because he wants to hear it. He wants her to say it to his face. And that's why when she like finally is like, well, you should go now. He says, right, right, mm-hmm. right. Mm-hmm. Like when he hears the suburbs thing, he's like, right, right. Yep. Like, that's it. That's what I want to hear. I'm the fuck up. I've got to go back to where I should belong. Yeah. Um, so, you know, now things are kind of heating up. He has an encounter with the cops. They, you know, try to get a bribe. You know, when I step on your foot and say, <laughs> Mr. Bribe, you know, and he, he's not like Homer Simpson. He understands no. what they're doing and he plays them and acts dumb and pisses them off. And then the next thing you know, uh oh, now the house is fucking bugged. Uh, it's a really awesome, again, no fucking dialogue until after you know everything has been shown to you. Him just taking the bug out of the phone, sort of showing yes. it to her, like looking at it and then putting it back in the phone, like total pro move right there. You don't want them to know you found that shit. Uh, one thing on Eurizi, uh, which we talked about a bunch is the cop that did it. He's doing this thing that I've never seen, which is it. you have a tie. Yes. And you don't tie a Windsor or any knot. You just kind of flap it over. Anyone mm-hmm. notice this? It's, like, it's not, there's no knot at all. It's just like the bare minimum of like, I got to wear a tie at work. <laughs> okay, here. The, the flap is over. It's a tie now. It's around my goddamn neck. <laughs> well, I feel, Steve, like as someone such as yourself coming from, you know, private Catholic school. Sure. You know, you had that, right? Where, like, I'm not going to tie the thing all the way or I'm going to untuck the shirt to rebel. Yeah, 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 it's true. But he's a grown man, you see. Oh, uh, right. Yeah, yeah, well, just you see that tie untied like that. It makes him that much more of a slob. Like, mm-hmm. it's such a perfect piece of character design right there in costuming. It's like if that tie is all buttoned up, he's a instantly much better police officer in theory <laughs> well, but if it's down like that he's a fucking slob thrice divorced you know but I, it also just seems like his body is rejecting 
order. Like that's like yeah, he like probably his put the tie like coming out and yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he probably put the tie on the right way and everything. And just like the minute he walked outside the Got fucking it, door, yes. it just like <laughs> just like it couldn't hold it together. So you give this guy a a Caesar salad and it hits the table, then it instantly becomes three hot dogs. Like how did that happen? I thought this was there wasn't even there was yeah. no pork anywhere near this. He leaves in the suit and the tie done right. He comes home in a burlap sack somehow. Turn it, yes. like Jesus Christ turned water into old style. It's fantastic. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. You know that this Yuritsi is a dude who celebrates Chicago Christmas properly. That's for damn sure. Uh, He's welcome sausage claws into the house a couple oh, of times. Oh, yeah. Yes, you gotta do they, it. They do the old taillight bit, which is like, yeah, you're under arrest. Your taillight's out. You kick it. Always love that. Um, oh, absolutely. And then uh, they start beating the shit out of him. Oof. Oh, they bring him downtown at one point in the yes. movie. And this is like, man, I think this, speaking of fucking ties of the Godfather, I think this is some revenge from that brother-in-law <laughs> getting beat with the garbage can top in that movie because he gets fucking beat over the back with a phone book in yes. that part. Oh, yeah. He's, oh wow they're kicking the shit out of him they, and they're just really trying to you know you just make it easy on everybody you know bend you know which is always which we're going to find out never ever happens yeah right. like, so right. he had that first encounter this beatdown happens like a little later first he uh he talks to prosky about the kid adoption oh, and right. all that and and oh Louis you want, you want a kid i'll out. get you a kid yeah, I'll get you, kid. <laughs> I'll get you, a kid. Do not, it's do not want to know where he's getting those kids from. Don't yeah, want to know. Is it, wait, is, is it the kid's fault that the mother's a piece of shit? <laughs> I mean, she's selling the sure. kid. It's a couple I mean, ladies. They're making babies. What do you want? You want? You want a fresh baked baby? Yeah. Tell, okay. Now tell me what type. I mean, the way Prosky is like slinging around kids, he's probably a Supreme Court justice on this side, too. <laughs> you know? Maintaining that domestic supply of infants. Well, you gotta Absolutely. do it. I, I just love the fact that, like, when he's doing this, like, he, he's like holding court. Prosky's got yeah. like the arms out, and he's like, ah, you oh, want yeah. a baby? I'll get you a baby. I know these two girls who just pop out babies up in a hotel room. <laughs> but if you're, if you're Frank, James Kahn, in this scenario, Right. This is where I have a little bit of problem. Like, yeah, obviously Robert Prosky. This is where also Robert Prosky is like, oh, I'll get you into all these shopping centers, blah blah blah. It's going to be a great deal for you. He's like, no, 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 I don't want to do that. But you got it when he's like, I'll get you a kid. You got to be like, how much? What are we talking here? I want to. I want to pay full in cash. I want to pay up front for this kid. You don't want to have a kid, a kid on layaway. Exactly. I want to buy this baby straight cash. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> do you tip her a baby normally? Do you Ooh, do that? Do, do you, you throw an extra hundred? In she baby? doesn't. She doesn't give anything to that woman who brings the baby downstairs. No, in fact, no, they, at least for the handoff. No. At least in America, they usually untip a baby. You know, circumcision. Oh, of course. <laughs> Yes, I gotta say, if I were directing this movie because I'm dumb, I would have a scene where she's like holding her hand out for a tip. <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, I mean that's gotta be. It's a lot of work to just to a have little, a kid, yeah, you know. <laughs> In, um, you, do a little baby dash, I guess. Of uh, your baby will be at your will be at your house. In five oh minutes. my! <laughs> Keep your phone by your side in case your baby dash driver needs to call you with an issue. <laughs> Make sure it's on vibrate at the very least. It sounds like a bad idea, guys. <laughs> I mean, it sounds like a bad idea. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure Texas is like brainstorming it right now. Yeah, <laughs> yeah I think so. 
You're gonna have to. <laughs> it's gonna be a new tech core there, Jamel. You know, it's, you know, but isn't Elon over there now? So like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm to- inventing baby dash. <laughs> <laughs> it is baby X. We take the babies and you order them, and three months it's yours. So what do you think about that, pedophiles? <laughs> I think they like it a lot. Yes, I think they like that. Uh, it's a good system. We, get, we br- go to a. Oh, uh, meanwhile. Uh, you know, poor Okla, man. Yeah. Oh, he yeah. gets out. You know, this is actually in the ba- I'll get you a kid scene. Uh, he's like, he, he's about to call. He calls Tuesday. Well, like, holy shit. Guess what? I found a baby guy. It's going to be great. Yeah. But don't uh-oh. ask. But, you know. Yeah. Find that whoops a doodle. It's Willie Nelson collapsed at the courthouse. And yeah, he's at this is his death scene. I do. Robert, Roger Ebert did have he loved this movie. And I, I agree with him on one thing. I kind of need one more beat with the Willie Nelson thing to make this really work. I I, do, I like the uh, enigmatic, he whispers and he said, you know, and the way that, I, I love the way Khan delivers, like, oh, he said, thank you for letting me out. He didn't want to die there. You don't know if that's what he says. You know what oh, I mean? Oh, it's like, a total lie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. I, I love the edig, but I just sort of need a little, I kind of want a big, I, I want a big Willie Nelson scene. He's game yeah. for it. And I mean, like, and that's not who man is. Etc. Cetera, Etc. Cetera. It's not really what this movie is. It's a scene I would like to it, make it, this work a little bit more. It's interesting because he like gets the baby and then he loses his father right. figure, and it's he could never bring himself to love anyone as much as he loved uh, Willie Nelson's character here. Nope. Well, well, yeah, and then the I mean the, the part of what you're saying about uh, him maybe lying about what uh, Okla told him, I think that's really important to the whole movie. Is like the whole thing about Michael Mann is his question is, do these criminals, these assholes, do they have a soul? Like, mm-hmm. yeah. are they worth caring about? Or like, yeah. that's the real uh, question at the center of a lot of his movies. And when like, uh, I love that Protsky moment when he starts going in on a family that's like, you know, family is the most important thing in your life. Yes. There's something sacred about it. Cause it, James Conn has this incredible face when he's saying that because he's like, at the same time, he's like, is this guy full of shit? But if he is full of shit, I'm also kind of full of shit for yeah. wanting this all. Like, right. it's all about what do I actually mean all of this? Or is it just to make up for everything I lost? And like this scene when he's like, Oakless over, like, I don't think he could face whatever. I'm not sure if he heard what Oakla said. Like, yeah. I, it's just what he has to say to make it worth a damn. Yeah. Because the other thing, too, right, is like that stuff. If Prosky's lying about it and Khan is lying to himself about it, then he's lying to himself about like what he perceives as one of the only things that may make him a human being. Yep. So if, if you don't have that, then you're just a complete fucking monster. Mm-hmm. Um, Maybe the, his last word is, "I kind of wish I would have got rid of this ponytail." Honestly, like one of the <laughs> one of the things I was I had two wishes: one, not to die in prison, and two, <laughs> the second I got out of prison, I was going to get this high and tight, a cool fade going on. <laughs> And now, well, you know, it's funny because, you know, James Conn's like, oh, you know, you're going to get me in trouble now. I got three girls down in the street waiting for you, you know, <laughs> whatever it is. And I'd love it if Willie Nelson's just like, hey, man, were you telling the truth about them chicks? <laughs> <laughs> hey, Fra- hey, hey, Frank, I've never tried before. Uh, could you give me a marijuana cigarette? <laughs> never, never, uh, just before I go, I kind of want to see what it's like. <laughs> then, we, um, then we get the Chinese restaurant scene, and the, yes. the, we get the baby, and uh, it's 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 awkward when someone asks you, um, 
what your baby's name is and you say, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Not I don't know. No name yet. Haven't no named name him. Yet. Still, haven't named him, but we're definitely going out for Chinese food. We haven't named our kid yet, but we're starving. That, that's probably like, you know, realistically, it's probably like a two, three, four week old baby. It's super weird to have had a baby for three weeks and have a name for it. We're, we're going to go back to the writer's room after this and pitch it back and forth and see if we can get a better one going. So speak, speaking as someone who has two has two two of them, it's yeah. really weird to not know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's tough. That dude at the restaurant should be calling the cops like, <laughs> because he leaves for a second. And then they have this really sweet moment where, you know, she's like, oh, do you want to name him after Okla? He's like, oh, cool. Okla's real first name was David. And she's like, oh, David, nice name. And then the waiter comes back and he's like, yeah, by the way, uh, the kid's name is David. <laughs> and it's just like, all right. So first I asked them, they said, I don't know or no name yet. <laughs> and then I went to the back for a second when I came back with their dessert. They were like, oh, his name's David. Yeah, I'm calling the cops right, on these right, people. Right. This, is, this, is a, this is clearly a baby trafficking operation. <laughs> Quick question. Was that a... You guys have Baby Dash? Oh, I've heard about them. Is that, that sounds so cool. So you just you put you put your information and you get the baby? That's amazing. Hey, honey, they use Baby Dash. <laughs> oh, oh, what? Do all the, ooh, the, every baby comes with the Baby Dash stamp on their skin? Oh, I don't like that. Oh, oh no. that's Oh, you just take a look. You, you cut that off and you're fine. Oh, it's yeah. like scratching. Off the VIN number, you know, (laughs) that were too far. Tagged on the mattress. (laughs) So now the thing about the Chinese restaurant. One one thing before we leave it is it's kind of a nice and almost wholesome scene, despite all that. Yeah, Yeah. totally. Like the guys like David's good name, and it's almost like Khan's got like a little relief. Like this life maybe is going to work out. It's a nice. It's an example of what yeah their life could be like. You know all things being what they are, like a perfect existence. This is a nice night out right. for this family, right? And uh, meanwhile, uh, Belushi is in LA. He finds out the keyword is Mexico, and we are on, my friend. Yes, and this is actually where the police rough him up for that last time. And oh, right, right, right. Yes. The, uh, they put a tracker, you know, they have a tracker on his car, but he, he swaps it out to a bus to Des Moines, which is a good, good Yeah, good I love idea. that shot, too. Right. Um, I love the shot of you hear the beeping of the tracking device and the camera's like in a car next to the bus and he zooms in on the luggage carrier like underneath. And as the camera gets closer, the beeping gets louder. And then we sort of go around to the front of the bus and then he just gets in nice and tight on Des Moines. It's yeah. such an awesome, awesome shot. And, yeah. and for a director too that doesn't have flourishes as mighty as that throughout his movies a lot. No. It is. It, that's what makes it, I think, all the more effective. It's so like, whoa, look what he's doing. Yeah. A big swoop and a zoom like that. Very, very cool. Uh, um, I, I'll, I'll say the scene, the scene where they learn that the, the I guess the word is going to be Mexico. Could have used some Steven Tobolowski. Could have used some ooh. sneakers. <laughs> Steven Tobolowski, you know. Yeah, he, he decided to use real bankers to just say... <laughs> Yep. Hi, Jim. Hey, Mexico. And that's it. So, yeah, I mean, not a character. I would have liked some Tobo. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Who else could have been the other guy? Maybe Danny DeVito. No, he's too big. He's too big. I'm I'm Uh, in the sky. But the one thing about the the Mexico part, like, it's you know, they're having like, hey, Frank, hey, Bob, blah, blah, blah. And it's like, Mexico. Yeah, we're in. And he hangs up. So clearly there's a relationship with the company. Like, later Frank should be like, 
Mexico. Oh, I forgot my keys. You know what I mean? Like, why is yeah. it? Why, why are you telling me Mexico at exactly one o'clock in the morning, dude? <laughs> exactly. Uh, dude, I, I've thought that most times I watch this yeah. movie, it's like, what, what are you oh, opening up now for? What's going maybe, on? Maybe, I mean, maybe the company thinks like, oh, maybe this is a late night security guard or something tripped. Oh, and, yeah. Right. Yeah. yeah, that could be. Mexico, um, I got a broad in here. Don't <laughs> 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 she loves vaults. Gonna hang a tie on the vault. Don't come in. <laughs> um, the shot where you see the two dudes like in this beautiful, almost like the weird end of 2001 bedroom. Yes. This room kind of looks like. Um, and the dudes are having a little chit chat. What's awesome is he wants, man wants to show like you know, this is it. This is the fucking money melon. This is what we've been working for. And what's so awesome is the way that he does that is he dials those dudes down and cranks the tangerine yes. dream. So you're just looking at this perfectly framed shot of this safe with just this like swooping wow. And it's just drowning out everything. Like this is the most important thing in this yeah, movie. I don't know if we said telling. it enough, but this soundtrack is fucking amazing. I love tangerine yes. dream. Only their second score. Wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Their first being Sorcerer. Oh, oh yeah, Sorcerer is oh, fucking yes. fantastic movie and score as well. And then they come back for the keep with him, which I think is a very, very fun movie. I, I want to rewatch it again, but I, I really enjoyed the keep. The the Criterion uh, Criterion's got a good uh, copy of it. Oh, it looks shit. really good yeah. on there. Yeah, I, I, I saw it, but I saw some, like a shitty transfer. So Did, if if Criterion has like something good, I, I'm gonna rewatch you, it. You should. It's on their uh, '80s horror uh, bit right now. It's 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 well worth rewatching. My but my wife had never she she rewatched all the Michael Mann movies. She doesn't. She's like very like three stars on all of them except for Collateral. She loves, and uh-huh. she was like, I want to be a completist. I'll watch the Keep, and she's like, Nope, still kind of bored. <laughs> I mean, the, the keep the problem to keep is it's not his movie you know yes. what i mean a lot yeah, of it yeah. is just like cut to ribbons and mm-hmm. producers came in etc cetera, etc cetera. like i would right. love to know what that actual one looked like you know what i mean it's a great Whatever. concept and he swings for the fences but yeah unfortunately it doesn't come together necessarily is there a long rumored cut somewhere uh, yeah, it has more Henry Cavill in it. Um, <laughs> and actually, they fix that mustache they problem. Do. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Finally. No more lingering <laughs> shot on the monster's ass in that one scene. <laughs> <laughs> um, so they're going to fucking Los Angeles. They're going to do yeah, this the thing. night of the job, man. Yeah, the it's, night it's of the great. Job. And he's and you just watch these. You watch James Conn and Jim Belushi hack through a building. Yep. If you don't know what a movie is, it's James Conn and Jim Belushi <laughs> hacking through a it, roof. It is fucking great. Them cutting through the the, the roof. Them yeah. cutting through this other pipe to access the lines. It, it, it's incredible. This is the shit, you know, Jamel, you were talking about from the beginning of the movie, you know, exemplified even more here. The precision with which he cuts this plastic pipe that all of the communications wiring is in. Looks like he's a dude, some fucking, you know, union workhorse mm-hmm. that's done that exact same right. cut for the last 30 years. Yeah. Well, yeah, it's so awesome. Well, yeah. And have the confidence of just like watching fingers going through wires to find the right wire. Like, yes. just to hold on that to allow them to show what expertise looks like on the fly. Just like being able to run through something and see the right image. And it tells yep. you it. it creates a little game for itself like for a three second thing which is like all right 
every time he he puts the wire the the pincer on the wire and it goes to 40 it's a phone line every time it's to 15 it's an alarm like and you learn that just by saying phone line phone line oh yep. we got one yep. phone line yep. phone line you know what i mean it's just and you're you're kind of at the edge of your seat here uh, yeah the, tom cruise has talked uh, i mean not a lot but he's talked before how much he loves this movie and that's why he wanted to do collateral so much it's uh-huh. amazing to me that so many mission impossible movies have him doing the breaking into the roof this yeah. way, like literally yeah. having to cut like a, a square out and go down into it. Like it's, it's amazing. The influence of this movie is nuts. There's the great, when he gives the Mexico line over the radio, which yes, there definitely should have been something uh, when it, when they, you know, the systems managers or whatever, like, you know, let the guard down and stuff. He goes, it's a great line. Come on, we own it. And then the music kicks yeah. back in. Oh yeah, Mexico. Um, my wife kicked me out, man. I got nowhere else to go. I just, I'm I, you know, this room's got carpeting. It's got a chair. I got, I got out of Mexico. Please don't. Please. All right, we'll take it down. Good, you can get in now. Just Jesus. He's using a bunch of money as a pillow. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, this whole sequence, man. I mean, what do you say? It's like the best robbery scene since Rafiki. Oh, and and yeah, it's incredible. Yeah. I mean, yeah, the amount of gear and shit that they yes. have to haul yep. to the roof of the building and bring down, like these fire suits and this giant, like uh, I, I don't know what the technical term is, but that giant heated pole to start I, like burning through the safe. It's I, incredible. I've been calling it a fire rod. Uh, I think it's yeah. called an, ox, an oxy lance is what, what I think it is. It's basically Ooh. like this enormous pole that you just heat up and it can cut through anything. Didn't that kill Rush Limbaugh? <laughs> <laughs> he was popping up like dude's face. A couple of oxy lances. Got a little heartburn. Yeah, I mean, he, he went down to the Dominican Republic to get an oxy lance. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, I took an oxy lance and I lit it. Now it's burning up my inside of my belly. Oh, cut right through my racist belly. Burr. Are you gonna know what's it? funny about that guy? Uh no one gives a shit about him anymore. No, yeah. yep. that's and wonderful. He is another dead fat guy like that's, Joey Gags. Yeah, your, your legacy is your you are manure. You are yes. fertilizer. You are dead, thank God. Which is uh, you know. It's kind of like the ultimate awesome thing that could have come out of it. It's like you died and nobody gives a fuck. No one gives a fuck that you died, dude. Awesome. Live your life so that at least one person gives a fuck when you die. Uh, Well, you know, I'm not going to apologize to them, but we're going to get some guff over this one. I'll allow them. You you can blame it on me. You can make it be like, listen, we had we have this woke New York Times columnist on. Yes, and he's yeah. You're you're infecting us with the woke mind virus as as you're speaking, Jamel. I would hate it if you ever got a racist email. If you if you ever got one, I would just. Oh my God, I don't know if I'd be able to handle oh, it. Oh, it'd feel yeah. terrible. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but um, they cut right the, through this thing. It's kind of great. Oh, I mean, yeah. It's a, it's a two-man job. Him and Belushi are cutting while the other guy has to fucking use a fire extinguisher so they don't all yep. burn to death. Oh, yeah. That's so how you good. know it's serious businessman. It's like this dude has to be like constantly preventing a huge structure fire from happening while you're cutting through. Mm-hmm. Um, I love when they get through and like that is the end of Khan's participation, yes. right? Like Jim Belushi is the one who goes in. He's getting all the diamonds out or whatever. And Khan, the shot, it's kind of incredible because like 
you could end the movie here where it's like he may as well have be ha- like having a cigarette after sex. Mm-hmm. He's like sweating. He's out of breath. You know, he's observing his work, like just kicking back. And if you ended the movie right here, yeah, some people would be like, well, what was going on with Tuesday Weld and whatever yeah. else? But like, it would be a fitting thing in the sense of like, it's Thief and he's just doing this. And like, you could, it, I think the view would sort of change to like, he's got a taste for it, might want to do more yeah. or something. Sure. But it could be a perfect place to end the movie. And you right. could also end it on the beach in the next scene. Yes. You could yeah. play Ico Ico on A and we're having a good time. Like, you know what I mean? Like, we did the thing. Yay. Right. Because the two kids Jim there. Movies There's like a Ico, forced Ico ghost of Willie Nelson. Just right there. <laughs> you did good. You did good, Frank. Smoking a forced ghost joint on a log mm-hmm. on the beach. Well, All the Ewoks are there. I mean, that's just the thing. Like, you, the, that's how you know Michael Mann's a genius. Is there are so many ways you could show triumph after such yes. a thing. Like, literally, the guy's like, "I want to walk into the. I want to burn a hole and walk into this uh, uh, safe." And they do it. And there's so many ways to show that you've done this. You you are triumphant, and you pick. James Khan walking shirtless on a beach in like what <laughs> looks like white like satin pants and like oh, yeah. Jim Belushi frolicking in the waves with his belly akimbo. <laughs> I uh, gotta say they wouldn't they wouldn't they wouldn't let Jim Belushi they wouldn't let somebody look like Jim Belushi do that today. That'd be no, amazing. No, no, no. On screen. Yeah. no, no. That'd be beautiful. A, a model would Definitely have to be not. his 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 man. I, I got to tell you, I think even like the, the pants on Khan, like he probably thought shorts were effeminate. You know, he's like, no, no, we're, we're, I'm yep. wearing pants. I'm wearing pants to the beach. <laughs> You're lucky you got them barefoot, dude. Yeah. No, I'm not taking off my shoes. Here's a question. What kind of guy do you think of, I am? Because this happens in Manhunter too. Uh, Michael Mann likes to go to the beach. Does does Michael, what, what, is he, do you think he's a book guy at the beach? Is he, is no. he bringing a Frisbee Ooh. or what? What are we no. talking? I think no, he's, he's shooting guns. Yeah, probably <laughs> at the ocean specifically. Yep. Uh, <laughs> Take I, that ocean. I do think though, that's the thing. I think you're right about the shoes thing. I think he might, he like looks around and then takes his shoes off on the beach. Mm-hmm. Yep. Michael Mann. He's just yes, like, yeah. I don't want to look too laid back to anybody who knows who I am. But I, he's definitely wearing a, a button-up shirt and slacks. <laughs> That's no, never a trunk. The, the trunk has never fucking touched Michael Mann's body. <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll say this about this, just thinking about Michael Mann's other films. As far as, like, characters by bodies of water scenes go, this one is probably the most playful of them. Yeah. Like, they yeah. get much more contemplative, right? Sort of the Manhunter yeah. one's definitely sort of, like, kind of morose. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the one in um, Miami Vice, when they're actually just sort of, like, like on the water in a boat, is, like, mm-hmm. much more sort of somber. But it's, like, not... This is, like, kind of playful. It's, like, it is a celebration in a way that these things aren't usually for uh, the characters in, in his movies. It's it's a happy scene with a happy family, which does not exist in the Michael Mann world. Like, the inside... Like, maybe the early uh, uh, scenes in The Insider when it's just him and his family before he gets fired. But otherwise... <laughs> like, yeah. like, otherwise, happy families do not uh, happen in Michael Mann movies. I don't know how happy this is. Jim Belushi cripples his girlfriend in this scene. He tackles this girl <laughs> like dude. a fucking lineman. I mean, it's wild, dude. Like, seriously, if you... You were on the gridiron. I think there's a fucking flag on the play. (laughs) He decimates this woman. It's incredible. And it's kind of a weird, like, because at first you think like he's just like he's there with, you know, uh, Jim, Jimmy Khan. And he's like, oh, we did it. 
what a great score we had. Yeah, it's fantastic. And then uh, Jimmy Khan's like, oh, well, you have your fun now. We just got word that uh, everything's cooled down. We can go back and get get the money and collect and everything. He's like, oh, you hear that, baby? And he just like runs after this woman. And she's like having a conversation with Tuesday Weld. She's got to be like, wait, what's happening? This huge beast is charging at me. And she goes down. You see Belushi go down and his head comes up. It looks like he like face plants in the sand himself. Like, uh, Mike, can we take two on that, man? I'm fucking bleeding here. <laughs> Cut directly to the hospital. I don't, yep. I just got excited is all. I didn't, I didn't know. But you said there's a stress fracture in her skull. Oh, I'm sorry. I didn't mean. Are you saying she's got to be put down? <laughs> First my horse, now this. <laughs> Doctor comes up. Yeah, I see this all the time. Beach shenanigans. That's <laughs> <laughs> a shame. You keep um, telling those Chicago boys to stop tackling their girlfriends. <laughs> get a, when get will a, they listen? Get a Chicago guy out here. Uh, yep, I know his girlfriend's going to have a broken neck. I just know it. I just know it. <laughs> they can't let these boys down the beach. Look at it. Beach shenanigans. I've been telling the council year after year there should be signs up, no Chicago boys tackling <laughs> girlfriends on the beach unless lifeguards are there. <laughs> Just a big red circle and X through a yes. sausage. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I want. That's what I want right there. Uh, so we get back to get the, the cash and Prosky, you knew it was coming, mm-hmm. man. He's like, here's the cash part. And Khan's like, oh, that sounds fucking shitty. And indeed, Prosky has put some of the money owed to James Khan into commercial deals and malls and shopping centers in the Midwest and California and whatever. He is really fucking him. He gives him 90 grand out of 830. That's yep. pretty bad. Yeah. 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 More than a haircut. That's true. Mall investment or no. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's... <laughs> It's fucking uh, shit. Did, did I, buy invest, a whole I mean, mall? Of, all, of all the things to invest into a mall, get my money out of a fucking mall. <laughs> yep. <laughs> I, yep. Don't, I don't. I don't want to subsidize a JC Penny. <laughs> well, in 1981, maybe it's a good idea, and then you got to sell all that shit by what 99 or, or yeah, so? you got to get in, you got to get out. I the mean, early, yeah, the early aughts at the latest, man. Because yes. by then, our our mall was a fucking dirt mall. Oh, really? Don't, oh yeah! Don't worry, don't worry. It's it's called Sam Goody. They're gonna be huge. <laughs> Auntie Annie's people are gonna love it. Look, James Con, I don't know what you're mad about. This mall's gonna have a fucking Circuit City and a Whiz in it. Can you believe that? Two electronic stores in the same mall. Yeah, I put Circuit all your money City, in Whiz. Walden Books, Panda <laughs> Express. I put all your money into Empire Records. Uh, those kids are, are a little much, but they got a nice record shop over there. It's uh, it's called a Bath and Body Works. It's for fancy bathes, and uh, you know the kids love them. It's for thirteen-year-old boys who have to buy their mom's gifts. <laughs> Solve that problem. <laughs> Uh, but this is the an iconic, and again, like the movie really tells you what it's about right here, where it's like, you know, it's like, what's the problem? I, you know, put your money in all this stuff. And he's like, you, my problem is my money is in your pocket. And, mm-hmm. Yep. But based on my labor, my exposure, the whole thing he goes through. And I mean, like, and that's the thing, too, is like, it is so much about labor. Like, you see, it ta- he is sweating. He, he sweats yeah. this jewel heist. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it is, it's a physical act. I think Prosky even says, like, you should join a labor union. And he's like, I'm carrying it. Yes. Right, yeah, yes. Yeah. I, I love, I love this. I love this scene so much. <laughs> 
you could totally teach like a whole class on sort of like you know like Marxist labor relations, just like using this scene as your basis because it's like it's it's con it's Frank saying my labor produces your wealth. Yep, and Prosky yep. yeah. saying no, bitch, I own you. My capital <laughs> produces your wealth, and you're going to generate more capital for me. And like yep. it's just like this era is conflict that cannot be resolved except through violence, motherfuckers. <laughs> yep, <that's laughs> precisely because he's like, you know, I bought you your house, I fucking own your kid, you're leasing him from me, you know, really and, terrifying. Mean, that's shit. when he's about to pour Jim, pour, pour Jim Belushi in the fucking acid. The, the what I love about this scene is that how Prosky sets it up too. Like, I mean, what you were talking about class earlier, Jamal, like. Like he sends it like this is your uncle's, you know, uh, little bar basement, yeah, like exactly. where you all hang out and how this, this is a warm place. I'm your father. Remember? Remember all that? We're all so, fa- we're all family exactly. at Starbucks. And we're, yep. yes. And we're, <laughs> uh, we're all, you know, that's what we do in a family is that you only get ninety thousand dollars out of eight hundred grand. It's incredible that he, you know, ropes family into it because, yeah, whether it's the mafia Starbucks or a not-for-profit film center, if they fucking call your staff a family, they're fucking lying to you. Leave now. It means nothing, and you should never believe that because those people would not piss on you if you were on fire most times. Yep, and just and if you're not getting the money you you're 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 owed, and that's the thing is too is he's this is so much about like you are just lucky that I allow you to do this. You know what yep. I mean? And he, he even says like, "Don't worry, we got another score coming up in a couple of weeks." I'm like, "Well, what the fuck's gonna happen then, dude? Like, am I am I, am I fucking stupid? Like, you know what I mean? No way." Well, that's what that one sounds shitty too. Because does he say it's in Florida? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, I love the part where he, where he mentions it and he's just like, you're talking to me or does someone else walk in this room? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's, that's a great line. Well, that's what he's counting on. He's counting on him find, breaking. This is usually where they break. He's yes. like, this is what he's used to. And I remember looking at the fucking time and being a we have 20 minutes left. Yeah. How are yep. you going to do this? But, and he does it better than... I don't know anybody who's done it better in 20 minutes to set up this fucking problem and then get to the unbelievable conclusion. <laughs> and, you know, again, like just great Jimmy Khan threatening lines. My money in 24 hours, or you'll be wearing your ass for a hat. <laughs> and this, fucking great. And a uh, great uh, a tagler or whoever, like the second like Khan leaves the thing, he's like, I told you. Didn't I yes. tell you? Didn't yep. I? This guy is dining out. I mean, he's going to be dead in three hours, but he would be dining <laughs> out on this forever. Um, and so, I mean, we get to it, right? So it's yeah, Chris Cavan, you're right. 20 minutes, clock's ticking. We got to solve this. And the way we're going to do it is kill most of the people in the movie. And we're going to start with our fucking friend, Jim Belushi. Oh, yeah. This, is one, of, this is one of the great on-screen deaths of the oh. 1980s. Yep. <laughs> yep. There's no other way around it. Honestly, it's just so perfect. This and the Prosky one we'll get to it. I sure. Both just beautiful scenes. Of well, death. you got Dennis, you, you got uh, Dennis Farina with the fucking gun on him and he's like, tell, you know, call, basically kind of a call to John now moment here. <laughs> yes, uh, it totally is because we're at the car lot yes. and Jimmy Khan is looking for uh, Jim Belushi here. Yes, and he's, he's like, you know, call for him, call for him, call for him and he's like, it's a trip. And I mean, like <laughs> the perfection, like it's like stagecraft. 
Of course it would be a white van. It would have to be mm-hmm. a white van. Why? Yep. Because I want to see all of his blood and guts all over it in three seconds. <laughs> yep. Yeah, absolutely, <laughs> man. Just it's the great. shotgunning. It is the best. <laughs> it, you're right, Jamel. It's one of the best uh, deaths on, on screen. I think it's got to be the best shotgun death. I, I mean, oh, yeah. You know, oh, yeah. At me on Twitter. Tell me better shotgun deaths. This must be the best one. It has to I mean, be. I mean, I mean, the way they shoot it, it, it looks like he's like holes have been blown into. <laughs> yeah. Yes. It's really great. And and twice in this movie, they know when they have a great special effect on their hand because yes. they put it in slow-mo. Mm-hmm. It happens here and it happens when he blows up the bar. Both times it's like, oh, fuck, that footage looks good. Let's let the audience just marinate in that for a few more seconds if we can. Slow it down. Just Jim Belushi exploding in slow motion. This Hawaiian shirt going all over the place. I, oh, I'm, man. I'm watching it right now. There's chunks everywhere. <laughs> it's see, a very chunky. Yeah. It's like it's sort of like a medium wide when he like hits the van. So you see the blood dripping off of the white van. It's perfect. It's lovely. It's really great. Oh man! But then they knock. Um, they knock uh, James Khan out, and then we're back wherever the hell we are at the body and, disposal and, factory. And this is yeah, the, the scariest fucking scene in this. Robert oh, yeah. Frosky threatening Khan in this scene is like the scariest thing I've ever seen in my entire life. It's kind of awesome because there's a similar ish feeling um, monologue. Well, like it's not similar, but like, the the. The threat is the same, but it's much more comical in Untouchables when De Niro's doing the whole, like, I want him dead. Yeah. I want his family dead. I want his house burned to the ground. And it's like, it's a cartoon character performance right. and it's funny. But it's a great movie. Don't get me oh, wrong. Yeah. But it's it's much funnier than here. Like, I'm not terrified of Robert De Niro in that movie. I'm fucking incredibly terrified oh, yeah. of Robert Prosper. I mean, the line alone of, I'll whack out your whole family. People will be eating them for lunch tomorrow in their wimpy burgers and not know it. <laughs> <laughs> and it's it's the way that Prosky speaks too. It's yes. the it's the grandpa-ness of the way like you'll be in your wimpy muggers. Like but the, the, yep. the mumbleness of it. I mean, the, the the specificity of eating them in their wimpy burgers means that has happened before. And oh, yeah, something yeah, that yeah, he's yeah. done yep. still. They, they, call that, they call that the, the Prosky. That's the standard package. <laughs> <laughs> most, you know, most fast food franchises are probably in bed with the mafia or some of them. <laughs> sure. And I'm sure you've we've all probably eaten a little people. Yeah, we've all we've eaten a veto. We've eaten a. (laughs) Well, just remember uh, Bruce Willis in uh, Fast Food Nation. You know, just cook the meat. It's fine. It'll burn (laughs) off. All the bad stuff burns off, baby. I guess that's true. And the way they're doing this whole threatening monologue too is this awesome shot because you know Khan is on the ground and what we're looking at is Prosky looking down at the camera, but he's upside down. And it just makes it all the more disorienting and terrifying. And and the end of this scene culminates in back to work, Frank, and just Jim Belushi getting dropped in a and it's also acid hot tub. It's kind of awesome because it's a great way to use an unknown actor too. Like that yeah. makes I mean look I mean Prosky's Prosky. We know him from Mrs. Doubtfire and so on and so forth from our generation. But like being in the theater, again, like to your point, the untouchables, like that's De Niro in a bald cap or whatever it yep. is. You know what I mean? Yes. Like, I know who that yeah. guy is. This is Robert Prosky. I'm like, maybe that's what this guy is all about. Like, you don't <laughs> totally. know. You do not know. 
Well, especially when, you know, he's, you know, Michael Mann is going all fucking Italians in post-war Italy making movies, like yeah. using real people. You know what I mean? Like, so if the, if the one guy, the crooked cop was a criminal, like clearly Robert Prosky must have been some sort of scumbag. Yes. And then you're like, no, he's just an amazing actor, well, you know. And just the way that they start this with him upside, upside down like that in the shot. Yep. Yes. Like oh, yeah. the, the fact that like all this, because it, it's, it's. It's, it's he's revealed like the what he was worried about in that scene when can i get i, I could get you a baby you worried about yeah. baby when he was worried about like is this family shit all for show it is it yeah. is yes. it, yeah. he just yeah. showed it all it's and now he and that's that explains exactly what james Conn is about to do to him mm-hmm. <laughs> yep easiest uh, gig in this movie is Joseph, the not Michael Douglas guy. He gets this phone call middle of the night from Jimmy Khan. Joseph, get over here right away. You're going on a trip. And then he's explaining uh, to Tuesday Weld, like, all right, listen, it's all over with. It's all going to hell tonight. You got to get out of here. You're going to go with Joseph. Here's a box of $410,000 for this first month of just living with you. You will give Joseph $20,000 for the second month of Joseph living with you. $25,000 third month, 30 grand. This guy (laughs) is packing it in, just hiding this lady away. And we never see them again in the movie. So we don't know, you know, what happens, but, Pretty sweet gig in theory, if you can get it. Meanwhile, you know, you cut to Joseph. He's he just comes into his apartment with his mother. He's like, Ma, you know, I've never shown you my apartment before. Here it is. Your son's done it. Yeah, I gotta go. I gotta go on a trip. I'm, I'll, uh, I'll never see you ever again. No, yeah, Ma, I got I had this wonderful second date with this lady down the street. Uh, oh, let me just get that. Okay, I'm gonna have to break up with her and I'm never gonna see you again. Goodbye. <laughs> It is that life, you know, that yeah. Mike the Cleaner life of yes. like you got to drop everything and you'll be gone for twelve months. Yeah, yeah. But you it's, know, and it's also just so psychotic the way Khan goes to just uncaring, and it would just take two seconds to be like we are to say the words we are in danger. That's yeah. all it yep. takes. You know what I mean? Like right. this, I care about you. We are in danger. The only way I can protect you is. This. He doesn't do that. But no, he just he pulls the he pulls the plug again. He says, "We're done." He's yes. going into that prison mentality, you know, yes. because what Prosky does to him there is like what happened in prison. They something happened, something terrible happened. So he's going into that mode of nothing fucking matters. Yes, yes. and the only way to do that is to get rid of her, which is incredible. And like, and it just and like she goes and like there, you know, the, we'll talk about the ending, which is incredible. But like, there is no in, there is no indication that they get back together. There's no, no indication that this is temporary. Yeah. No way. Yeah, they don't. No, no. There's no. just no. Uh, like, and also, man, to imagine being like Frank in the house and the kid and Tuesday Wells are leaving and the kid is screaming, da, 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 da. Uh. And like, you just imagine Frank and being, that had to be the one word he he figured out. Huh? <laughs> that had to be the one he figured out was the da, da. God damn it. <laughs> The same name he's going to be calling some dude Jeff seven years from now that marries his mother. Um, so, yeah, he blows up the fucking house. Great uh, effect here. Um, kind of inconsiderate to these neighbors, I have to say, blowing up this house. A bit. Kinda, he's clearly in like a, you know, crowded suburban sprawl thing, right? Yeah, I know you've got nothing to live for, but, you know, I just got my fucking lawn the way I liked it. How about that? <laughs> yep. Oh, and that explosion? Yeah, that cracked the foundation of uh, my in-ground pool we put in last summer. <laughs> 
Well, that's what's kind of incredible about it, right? Is like it is kind of everything he's always wanted to do. Like yes. blow up a suburban, like fuck the suburbs. I fucking hate them. Blow it up. I hate this shit. Like that it is kind of what he wants to do, but he also wanted to be the other guy. And it's not uh, Hi, Frank. I know you burned down your job, but I have to be in mine at nine in the morning. Let's keep it down with the explosions, please. Thanks so much. You think this is one of those deals where like uh, man found some sort of like street they were going to demolish or did they like buy a house just to blow it up? Ooh. Yeah. I, I wonder if uh, you flip on that commentary that the Criterion disc is at that scene. Maybe he says what, what's going what on. What I read was it was in a neighborhood. Um, They built like a false front to it blow up but the, the explosion was too big and it did damage several houses <laughs> like, like, oh well you know we'll just you know put it, a little false front that'll be fine and the explosion sure. is way too much and sure. the- that's well, awesome. it's like you're blowing up a house man that false front's only gonna do so yeah. much he's still exploding his structure uh it is great though i mean similarly though you think these folks, you know, working hard at the Green Mill Cocktail Lounge, they're getting any kind of envelope <laughs> from Frank a week from now that's like, sorry, I blew up your place of employment. No. I just like that Frank just <laughs> apparently, I mean, he just has this, like, I guess, in a storage facility, just sort of like, you know, <laughs> yep. in case you got to blow up everything you own. <laughs> I have plastic explosives and detonators ready to go. Well, I had a question for the prop department for when he blows up the bar because I was looking at it. It really looks like he's just walking in there with a handful of grenades. Like, if you look at <laughs> the device that they made or whatever, it looks like he's just holding four grenades that well, are taped together. Well, it would be great. I mean, Tangerine Dream just got done with Sorcerer. He's just got a bunch of dynamite, like, <laughs> just, like, handling <laughs> into the fucking place and lights it up. Another thing, he does not give a check to the back room. No. I mean, like, this is a... <laughs> yep. This, this is a dank place. Someone might be sleeping it off somewhere. Somewhere. You know what Absolutely. I mean? Absolutely, dude. Gary, the bartender, maybe fighting with the missus. He's got to sleep in the back room. Well, you know, nothing you matters, know. dude. You just separate yourself from all that. That's yeah, true. Yeah, yeah, I mean, it's just him. You don't worry about the damage done to the porno theater on your left and the <laughs> shoe store on your right. You don't care about that stuff. You're just trying to destroy your life. Oh, you're breaking my heart, Chris. A, you bro- blew up my favorite bar, and B, my porno theater's on fire. What am I supposed to do tomorrow? <laughs> I had a whole Sunday plan. And then he burns the car a lot, and this is where we get the moment where he takes that uh, family collage of his, crumbles it up, and tosses it out. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. It's fucking heartbreaking. Mm. I'll tell you what is also heartbreaking is there is a much worse movie that kind of rips off this part a little bit. And I always confuse the scene in that movie with this. And so I'm watching this movie and I'm like, so you're seeing all the cars blowing up in succession, right? Oh, nope. That was the John Travolta Punisher yes. movie. Oh, with that different one. And I fucking Jeez. fall for it every time. Because the end of that movie is the cars dragging Travolta yes. through the lot. And he's blowing up the cars like one by one. And in this movie, like he's got a bunch of the cars on fire. But I feel like you could probably salvage this uh, this car lot. Like yeah. It doesn't look like he blows up the office. People still may have their jobs here in the morning. Possibly. I mean, but all I think most of the dynamite got used on the house. That seemed like the biggest job. I think the because well, he's throwing gasoline all over that car. So I think he's fresh yeah. out of TNT. Yeah, I think it's done. We got to get four guys in Detroit to bring nitroglycerin <laughs> to Chicago. 
Hell yeah, just keep remaking that story with different <laughs> dangerous places they have to take easily explodable material. <laughs> this shaky fucking thing, the shaky truck going down Lower Wacker Drive with dynamite. Totally. They but, should have done it for the Blues Brothers, the, the conclusion it. of that movie. Yeah. I think this speaks to Prosky's um, uh, arrogance here, but like, okay, so this guy threatens you in your own home and like you threaten, you kill his best friend and threaten him back. What, and and you clearly like you get all these guys on your house. Wouldn't you be like, can I get one guy on him just to just just <laughs> just see where he's going? Exactly, right. keep an eye on him. No, and he this is the this is what it, this movie finally does become the home invasion uh, film because he, he gets finally in there. does the, the home invasion. He said he never wanted to do. Yes. Uh, and you know what? For a home, your first home invasion, Frank. Ah, it's like a B plus. Yeah, really good job, work, <laughs> this buddy. Is a great job. Yeah, <laughs> this is great too. This we get more of that tactical walking with the gun. Yes. yes. I love yeah. uh, Ataglia's eating this fucking huge piece of cake, and then he's like, I'm going to get a glass of milk. You want, you want a huge glass of milk, old man? I'm pretty- Just like these two old, ugly dudes talking about drinking a glass of milk at like 1230 at night. Well, that's what I love about that moment. He's like, it's clearly that he has gotten him a glass of milk before. They have been hanging out, reading newspapers together, eating and drinking cake. milk and eating cake. For, for many, many, many years, it seemed. You want to be 50 years old and drinking milk? You want to do that? <laughs> yeah. Dude, I can barely do it at 38. I can't imagine being Robert Prosky just chugging a huge glass of milk. It's like whenever... I, I very rarely in a Starbucks these days, but sometimes I'm in one. I travel, and sure. I see someone order, like, a Frappuccino, like a, like a, a, a venti Frappuccino, and I'm like, don't you got a shit after that? Like, <laughs> yep. <laughs> you're yep. 45. Yeah, you're, 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 you're having a milkshake for breakfast. <laughs> That's you part of the wages f- of fear, dude. That is nitroglycerin you <laughs> put in that belly. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean, I guess, uh, well, Jamel, to be fair, there's this one lady in this house that looks like she's given up hope. I don't know if it's supposed to be Prosky's wife. Or I think wife. it's his wife, yeah, and yeah, she's yeah. seen it all she, before. She, and it's like, oh, if you are you coming for this dude? Do it. Well, and also, uh, whatever fucking like rotten eggs fucking <laughs> is flying out his ass every fucking five minutes. She is used to it now. It is now the potpourri of the house because he's drinking milk all the time and fucking coffee and shit, <laughs> dude. The shot of that lady just looking at James Caan and then looking back to fucking Carson or whatever was on the TV. <laughs> yeah. Damn, dude. It's awesome. Well, he beats it's just a shit. real, like, finally. He beats the shit out of a taglia, knocks him out with yeah. the milk, pistol and whip. then pistol whip him a couple times. And now Prosky is missing. And now he's going up looking for him. And to Eric, you, you love this scene. You love this scene. <laughs> I want to hear, hear you say Well, it. okay. So, like, uh, Prosky's kind of hiding behind this uh, bookcase and he sees. Uh, James Caan coming around the corner, but he's not quick enough on the draw. And we get this old dude getting two bullets in the gut and going down. <laughs> and then that one last try at pulling that gun and just getting that headshot. Yep. Oh. It, it is a beautiful out of the back of the head uh, splatter. I It's it's gorgeous. And, and he screams like Sauron got the fucking one ring <laughs> in, the, yes, in, yeah, in yeah. Mount Doom. Like, no! <laughs> uh, every, he might as well start morphing into other people as he's dying. Like, it is such an enormous <laughs> death for this dude. And I love it. He just turns into Brad Dourif all of a sudden. Yeah. You get so, two. With that scene, I, I like how when the bullet hits him, the, the, the frame kind of pauses for a split yes. second. Yes. Yep. 
those are awesome. Those little free because again, that's like take that snapshot of this fucking awesome violence in this movie. Remember it forever. We'll even stop the movie for a brief second so you can take a mental photograph. I would have liked it's to, so great. I would have liked to have gotten two shots in the belly and just milk starts pouring out. <laughs> <laughs> oh no, you! It transforms Man, I'll tell you- into a wimpy burger. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Ataglia, dude. So when Jimmy Khan gets the drop on him, it's when Ataglia is getting that milk. And dude, Ataglia drinking out of the carton, which whatever, but he just puts the carton back in the fridge still open. They're lucky they fucking die because if not, man, you're drinking spoiled milk tomorrow. Yeah, yeah. It's disgusting. Could you get this curdled milk out here? I'm just killing people in your house, but I can't stand curdled milk. <laughs> The other thing with Prosky, dude, when he gets that headshot, he definitely does a little like, like his tongue kind of comes out. Oh, it's yeah. really, that dude is dying. Oh, man. It's awesome. <laughs> and then, I mean, the, you think it's done then, but of course, no. Uh, it's attack on Ataglia time uh, yeah. out yep. in the front yard. And Farina, yes. who, it, he gets the shot off on him, right? Yeah, yes. Farina's yeah, the yeah. one who gets him in the gut. Yeah. yeah. Oh, man. And this is hilarious looking Farina, man, because he's like, He's not the distinguished older gentleman we remember him as. He's got like the wild, real poofy, curly hair, yeah. fucking Super Mario mustache. He's a little puffier, it, it, you, you know, know honestly, just kind of like baby face. Earlier in the film, uh, I didn't recognize him immediately. By this point, I had. And then in the rewatch, I was soaking up all that farina, you know. It's, it's <laughs> nice. Um, but yeah, there's just kind of a nice little shootout here. He gets Frank and, you know, Khan falls down. And then, yeah, when he he does get the shot off, though, and Farina's just fallen into these bushes in slow motion, another good slow-mo violence move. I think we do have some freeze frames out here, too. Yeah. When we're getting some bullet impacts, which is just great. There's a third guy that gets gunned down, like, immediately. When Itaglia goes down, there is some, like, slow motion stuff, but there's also some really interesting streetlight effect going on. Like, it's like Uh this... It's this uh, unearthly blue that the, the the tint on them is just so fascinating to look at. I, I, I rewound it like three times. <laughs> Which, I mean, that use of the blue is interesting yeah. because, like, you know, in just a few seconds after yes. Frank gets up and starts walking down the sidewalk, bam, you get that awesome blue fonted yes. thief title card again. You know, I don't know if we mentioned it really yet cool. or we might have, but um, another great thing about this film and the way it looks is the, the wetted down streets everywhere. Yes. Oh, yeah. Yes. Yep. That will do. I mean, anytime you see that in a movie where it's like actually helping, it's a sign of like a cinematographer that knows what's up. It's like, quick, just wet the street down. It's going to look awesome. Trust me. And, you know, nine times out of 10, it totally does. Oh, I mean, also, I mean, Michael Mann is a guy who's like, he works in cut, like, he has period, like, blue. He, this is part of a blue, like, he is also very blue. Like, yeah. Everything about this, like even the diner scene is tinted blue. Oh, isn't yeah. the insider pretty blue as well? Insider is, oh, but, yeah, but and then he moves on to red, like because uh, 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 in uh, not insider, what the fuck am I talking about? Ali, um, and the one I'm, I'm blanking on the one that comes right after it, but collateral those are more red, those are like red colored. Was collateral right after? Yes, it? yeah, 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 yeah. Th- those are Miami Vice. Those are yeah. much more red colored and much more like uh, yellows and stuff like that. He actually thinks about like his color coding is very different per period. Yeah, yeah. Um, and so you know, this is interesting. You know, because Steve, you were asking earlier in the episode, like you know, if anyone thinks that they 
get back together. I think what's cool about the movie is, I mean, it's not even totally confirmed Frank's going to make it down the sidewalk. Yeah. I mean, he is shot in the gut. He's bleeding. No, he, he has a bulletproof vest. But there's blood all over uh, it, though. Yeah, I think it's, it's like an elbow shot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, I think it's, and you know, yeah, yeah. he does walk away. I've always left it, uh, you know, up to interpretation. For I don't sure. think that. Yeah, I, I think the only thing we're supposed to come, take away from that is that Frank is free. That's yeah. what yes. that is. Right. He's free. Yeah. One way or another, whether he's, you know, if, if he can get to a bus, he's free. Or if he drops dead. Yeah. He's also free. Yes. He's free from. But he's, from and he's also horrible like, life. sadly back at zero. You know what I mean? Like, that's right. the other way to look at it, too. And I mean, like, yes, uh, apparently, like, uh, James Kahn said that he believes that Frank uh, would is the kind of guy that would stop at nothing to get back what he lost. But I mean, like, th- is that really likely going to happen? You know what I mean? Like, can you get that stuff back? It's, it's really fascinating to me just, just to end it on this triumphant yeah. and, and the score is pretty triumphant too yeah. but it, it is. is that's true the, the score we get we get more metal than like synthy like the, the it, it's very guitar here oh yeah yeah i think i mean it makes sense that james con would want this character to yes. go on more like than michael Mann would just be like uh no he's probably dead i'll be honest <laughs> yes <laughs> he's probably straight up dead no i'm not going to be writing thief too no no i will not be doing that i'm sorry <laughs> Uh, but that is Michael Mann's Thief from 1981. We'll go around here. Final thoughts and recommendations. And our start, uh, we'll start with our guest this week, Jamel. Uh, final thoughts about uh, Thief? Uh, I mean, I think this is a gr- I think this is a great movie. I think this is like one of the it's like one of the great feature debuts from a director, like at least in the modern era. And it's just a joy to watch. Every time I watch this movie, I feel compelled to tell everyone around me that, you know, if they've never seen it, they got to see it. I Hell think yeah. it's like politically a really interesting movie and like not politically interesting in that it's it's both sort of blunt, but it's not didactic at all. It's like it's very mm-hmm. much it's a it's a it has a kind of sophisticated politics. And um, I would it like personally makes me want to like just like talk to Michael Mann about his politics <laughs> um, and then and, and, and talk and talk to him about that stuff. But I think this yeah. is. A great movie. It looks incredible. The Criterion disc that came out a couple of years ago that I mentioned looks amazing. And my understanding is that that was one of the sometimes Criterion does restorations sort of independently, like they buy the rights and they do it. Yeah. Sometimes they do it in collaboration with the director. And I think this is the latter. I think man actually had a, had a part to play in this restoration. And the film looks, I mean, it looks amazing. So, um, yeah, beef, it rules. <laughs> uh chris cabin absolutely it rules it's the best i i've I, so rarely do you see someone who like establishes their style so quickly and in such an assured way and then goes about expanding on it like a lot of the problem with why i didn't immediately take to later uh man's right off the bat was because i kept on wanting him to make more movies like thief and heat because they are so <laughs> perfect like they are yeah. hard to argue with so something like black hat and miami vice which are incredible but are very different i like and are expansions of what of the ideas he has in all these movies already uh I, you know it's bewildering to me that we get to see this like the only other director i think of who also i know is a michael mann nut job is wes anderson who does something similar where the like rushmore to me is like crystalline perfect and then he just keeps on expanding from there. And that's a similar mm-hmm. feeling I got from him. But this is perfect. It's a beautiful movie. James Caan, the God. I, I, un, unfucking believable performance. 
everything. I can't I can't stop uh, pouring out compliments. <laughs> uh, Eric Ziska. Oh, yes. Uh, uh, Chris, thanks for bringing up Black Hat. I think it's a very underrated movie. I really love that one as well. But this, I believe, is my favorite Michael Mann. I think it's fucking perfect. And if you haven't seen it, you probably should have before you listen to this. But <laughs> go watch it anyway. Uh, Steve? Yeah, I mean, not, not to... Uh, I'm not going to say more man stuff, even though I, I could. Uh, I, I do some man com- stuff. Uh, man cast. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking man uh, stuff today. Man, welcome back to man stuff. Oh my god, a a a, a bro <laughs> podcast about Michael Mann called Man Stuff. Man. Oh man, <laughs> this episode's about Michael Mann and putting that toilet seat up. Yeah, man. Welcome back to the man cave. Double N and we're all wearing gray suits with white shirts that are open down to the, the third button, man. We've got the man himself, Marco Man, in town. He's going to tell us where's the best place to get nachos in Chicago. <laughs> on, this, on this episode of the man show, Michael Mann's going to shoot a blank right in front of our ears. <laughs> Which is, I'm pretty sure, thing he's probably done this somewhere. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and he's smiled That's, the whole time. Oh, dude, it's great. This weekend, I got tickets for me and my girlfriend to go on a trip that we're never going to go on. It's the man show. <laughs> uh, no, I, I I think James Conn is fantastic in this. And I mean, he did just did, did just go away this year. Uh, I think The Gambler holds up really well if you're looking for other yes. James Conn stuff. Uh, I, I, I want to check out Rollerball. He was a really interesting Amazing. actor. I mean, like, yeah. I, he might not have been a good person. I don't know. You can say what you want. I don't care about that. I do think that, like, as an actor, he had this real, like, uh, uh, hyper-masculinity. But, like, he also knew how to act. It wasn't just tough guy shit. Like, that's what's so great yeah. about this movie is, like, you see him break a couple of times. You see his mouth twitch in ways and his eyes kind of go. There's stuff going on where there's real vulnerability there. And, like, there's a real lived-in experience that he's able to get to, especially in this film. And he's just fantastic at it. So, and Michael Mann rules. Man! <laughs> Welcome back to the main cast. On this episode, we're talking about collateral and how Jada Pinkett Smith's character should have been nicer to Jamie Foxx. <laughs> <laughs> uh, um, uh, yeah, no, I, I love this movie. I might take a lot of heat for this, oh. but I think it's my favorite Michael Mann movie. Um, I will. I want to say a couple things. One other Chicago legend we didn't point out that appears in the movie, a, a real blink and you miss it, situation when he's when James Conn is leaving the car lot uh, for the first time in the movie and those mechanics like the one guy's like hey boss and the three mechanics wave one of those mechanics none other than Dell Close oh himself. that's where Came he was yeah yeah, yeah. Yeah. Was, yeah which is weird it's amazing because I just uh, rewatched the uh, the blob remake Oh, where he's the preacher he's the or whatever? In it. Yeah, yeah. yeah, just the other night I showed it to my wife. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I just, I, I was looking at him. I, I couldn't even notice him in that scene mm-hmm. at yeah, all. Yeah, I think his like back is to the camera through most of it. Um, But I did want to point out, because we're talking about how beautiful this movie is. The, the DP was a, a fellow named Donald E. Thorin. He's since passed away. But while uh, where this was man's, you know, uh, theatrical feature debut it was this dude's first movie that he lensed and kind of wound up becoming like a weird just sort of like workhorse dp i mean list off some of these creds here after this he goes the next year an officer and a gentleman this dude also shot uh purple rain the golden child midnight run troop beverly hills collision course (laughs) tango and cash 
Scent of a Woman, Undercover Blues, Little Big League, Boys on the Side, Ace Ventura 2, First Wives Club, Nothing to Lose, speaking of uh, comedies here. Oh, and Mickey Blue Eyes, Dudley Do-Right, here's all his comedies. And then his last two movies, the 2000 Shaft, and then 2003's Head of State with Chris Rock. You know what? (laughs) <laughs> 2000 Shaft, not a good movie. It does look pretty good. It does. Yes. <laughs> and, t- yep. and Tango and Cash looks way better and has any reason to look. It looks yeah. absolutely great. <laughs> absolutely. So very, very cool that that guy also went on to make a bunch of stuff that feels nothing uh, like Thief at all. But it's it's great. And see it. See it even if you haven't and you heard us talk all over it because of the bunch of stuff we didn't get to. And really, like. It's a movie to be experienced. You can't just read uh, summaries about it, but that's going to do it uh, for this episode of We Love Movies. Jamel, thanks so much for always coming on, man. And obviously, like, people can find you in the New York Times, but uh, tell folks where they can find Unclear and Present Danger and what that show's about. Sure. So Unclear and Present Danger is a podcast for me, my friend John Gans, who is a writer writing a book uh, on the uh, American politics in the early 1990s. We watch the political and military thrillers of the nine of the 90s and uh, talk about them. We try to kind of historicize the movie, talk about the context, pull out any kind of uh, larger political themes. Um, I'm not really sure when this episode here is airing, but recent movies we've done are some obscure things like White Sands, a kind of like Ooh. middling thriller starring Defoe. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, we just, uh, we just did an episode on the firm the John Grisham Ooh. adaptation, Hell yeah. uh, which is a wonderful movie. And speaking of me being stupid, there's a scene in that movie where Tom Cruise is running through a building and he like runs past an old lady and he like runs around her. I were directing that movie. He would have run directly into that woman. Knock <laughs> her out. right down. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Um, uh, more stupid slapstick and everything. Uh, so. <laughs> That's in, in so that's sort of the whole conceit of the show. Um, uh, people seem to like it, people like conversations, uh, yeah, man. and uh, uh, you can find that wherever podcasts are uh, distributed. Awesome, uh, you know, open invite, man. You got chair here anytime you want to come back. It's always, always a blast having you on. Thank you for having me, it's always a pleasure. Uh, uh, not very many places where I can uh, indulge my love of uh, bodily fluid jokes. So <laughs> yeah, I appreciate. Please. Hell yeah! <laughs> Go on, sir. I got. I said. I said something a little uncouth on Twitter recently, and my one of my one of my uh, one of the people at the time just like you got to cut that stuff out. So, so. Uh, oh, no. <laughs> uh, well, you can come here to come around the back of the high schools where we're smoking cigarettes <laughs> out by the chain. Anytime being dirty uh well that's gonna do it for this episode all month long we are doing we love movies episodes here on the main feed which means on patreon.com slash we hate movies we're flipping the script there is a patrons only we hate movies episode coming out this month on what is that steve it's uh hannibal starring oh. anthony hopkins gary oldman in one of his most insane performances <laughs> we got Ray, the late great lit ray liotta puttering around uh it's just julianne moore trying to break away from uh, the jodie foster performance to no yep. avail <laughs> this will be interesting because this was a movie that for years i said was really good championed this movie when it came out saw it in the theaters literally had a teacher sit me down and go explain to me why you think this is a good movie <laughs> uh so i guess we will see how wrong i was sure. uh 20 
plus years ago. We'll have to see. Uh, but that is going on on Patreon. What else are we doing this month as far as like the the WLM oh my God. Uh, uh, infused Patreon offerings. What's going on on Animation Damnation? Uh, we brought my wife, Jen Kay, on to talk about Nightmare Before Christmas, which is Hell yeah. a full-length episode on a full-length movie. Uh, we had a lot of fun with that. Uh, Eric, we've got a Nexus that's pretty exciting. Yes, we are talking about Star Trek The Motion Picture. Finally getting to it. and um, uh, I love that movie oh, so much. It's yeah, such dude. a beautiful movie. Another very much underrated movie, and we had a lot of fun with that. Jamel, when you were saying you always tell people like you should see Thief, every time I rewatch Star Trek, the motion picture, I tell at least like six people go out, watch this movie and tell six other people to watch it too. It's uh, I, I, I saw it, you know, the first time I saw it, obviously like its reputation had already been a thing, but I was just sort of like bewildered by the reputation. I was like, why don't people like this thing? It, it's awesome. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I don't get it. Uh, we try to get to the bottom of it on that Nexus episode. I guess we'll see. Uh, but on this feed, the show continues. Uh, Steve Sadak, what uh, We Love Movies uh, piece of film are we talking about next time? Hey, folks. So right here was where Steve was saying the title of next week's exciting movie we'll be talking about. Uh, but unfortunately, we had to switch some stuff around. And uh, what he was about to tell you is indeed the wrong title. So just for your edification, just in case you want to watch ahead or, or whatever, just or to prepare yourself mentally. uh Next week's episode is The Royal Tenenbaums. That's right. Wes Anderson's 2001 classic, The Royal Tenenbaums. Quite possibly one of the finest Gene Hackman performances ever given. So until next week, where we're talking about one of our all-time faves, I'm Andrew Jupin. Steven Sadak. Eric Siska. Chris Cabin. Jamel Bowie. Take it easy. That was a HeadGum Podcast.